Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, October the 7th, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm here with Mr. Cissé. Hi. Mr. Bob Ryer. Good evening. On the line with Miss Stephanie Cook. I'm back. And joining us, you 2 hater, Hugh Perry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Talking Trousers, episode one, coming soon. <laughs> I, I feel like we've learned tonight that... Uh, the best way to troll Hugh is to talk smack about Bruce Springsteen. Don't even go there. <laughs> <laughs> FYI, everyone. Do it. Don't even. Oh. <laughs> Hugh really likes Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I really, really like Bruce Springsteen. He's invulnerable. We all know What that. was your first favorite Springsteen song? Hmm, probably Darkness on the Edge of Town. That's, that would be the one. Mm. All right. It's classic. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Have you ever listened to that? No, no, I like Bruce Springsteen. I mean, I, 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 I'm Bruce Springsteen. Me is like someone I very much like, but never have really like gotten into in any sort of real way. My dad know? played a lot of Springsteen while I was growing up. Mm. Him and not John, my dad. John Cougar, <laughs> Melon Camp was the other one. Oh yeah, Johnny Cougar's a legend. John Cougar's good. I feel like there's sometimes there's a divide for people like between those two. They're like either you you love John Cougar or you love Bruce Springsteen. I feel like there's like a divide sometimes for, yep. for those people. Um, those yeah, Stephanie's dad also hates Bruce Springsteen. Well, he doesn't hate Bruce Springsteen, but like my dad's um, sisters used to like bully him into kind of trying to like what they liked, and my dad he he was like. A music hipster, so he was like, mm, "I like this band that's like so underground. It's U two, um, but like, you know." And they'd be like, mm, "Ed, you need to listen to Bruce Springsteen." My dad would be like, "No, I don't want to listen to Bruce Springsteen. That's stupid." Like he wouldn't think it was stupid. He just like had his own, um, you know, like he he just wanted to do his own thing and find his own way. And U two was that way. I, can't, I don't know where the conversation That that moment in somebody's life is a definite sliding doors moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. took know. the wrong door. Yeah, like you know, or... Springsteen's aged much better than Billy Joel, at least. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, don't say anything bad about Billy yeah, Joel. Oh no, now you're gonna offend Ooh. Bobby. Yeah. Billy Joel. Oh no, <laughs> don't see, even go there. See, for me, what look all the Bruce stuff. Uh-huh. The, the great anthemic rock songs are great. I love things like Ghost of Tom Joad. Oh, yeah. Where he's channeling a good one. Steinbeck and Woody Guthrie and that sort of stuff. Yeah, and I hear I the Rage Against the Machine version of that. No. Also very good. It's really good. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Make, really make your good. ears bleed. Yeah. <laughs> In a good way. In a good way. <laughs> bleed from the rock. <laughs> yeah. um, and the message. For those of us here on Long Island, everyone's a Billy Joel fan mm-hmm. at one way or the other. I'm not. But he does so much good <laughs> for Steve's the community. Snob, that's why. Right. No, besides, like, driving his motorcycle into trees yeah, and whatever. Yeah, Lots but, of I mean, car accidents. Yeah, it's right. an hour recurring theme for people called Billy and musicians. I think so. 
Uh, I saw him. Yeah, one of these days we'll get to some other Patreon questions. Mm-hmm. I have. I have a an odd celebrity encounter with Mr. Joel at a, a bar in South Huntington called Mother's. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly enough, walked into this place with some friends of mine, and they're sitting at a table. Billy Joel. And heavyweight boxing contender Jerry Cooney, who I went to junior high school with. Oh, cool. Ossified. I mean, the two of them just sitting there uh, toasting each other. I know. It's like, oh, boy. I can't believe it. I can't believe that Billy Billy Joel was drunk. Right. I mean, just about to fall asleep on the table. Yeah. That drunk. But it was, so you don't even say anything. You just go, you walk by and you just go, a little wave. Hi. How you doing? Go by us. Most people on Long Island, especially people on the east end of Long Island, have a story about Billy Joel yeah, because but- he's everywhere. It's not as prevalent as... So anyone who's worked in Long Island retail has a story about Dee Snyder and McFoley. Those two people. Yep. Yes. Everyone has met right. those two people. Yeah. In McDonald's or online yeah, yeah. at Best Buy or whatever. Best, yep. I worked at Best Buy and I, both yep. of them came in and shopped there. Um, Billy Joel, uh, he lives on the east end of Long Island. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a professor in, in college. Um, he said when he was a teenager and he lived out there... He was hitchhiking home from from a night out, and Billy Joel picked him up. <laughs> and when he got in the car, Billy Joel was listening to Billy Joel on his radio. <laughs> That's amazing. What? Are you serious? Yes. That's great. Like, like, Billy you know Joel what? will give, like, give you a lift. I really like the sound of my voice. Yeah, just start Listen to my greatest on the way back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this one's good. Yeah. This was a good day. <laughs> See, I'm the, Billy Joel. The night I walked into that bar, the guy I walked in with, had been replaced in a band called The Vagrants on keyboards by Billy Joel. Mm. So he was more than happy to look at him sitting there drunk. Oh it's like, God. yeah, this guy. Yeah, now he's a star. <laughs> I could have been. Where he, no, no, you couldn't, Bruce. You were very good, <laughs> but you couldn't have been that. But, you know. Yeah. The island. The island. It's true. Long Island. So small. Yes. And yet so big. And anywhere that's born, McFoley is, you know, a wonderful place. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Going back on, le- back on the wrestling pre-show wrestling talk that we had. I love Mick Foley. He was my favorite wrestler back then. Oh, yeah. When I He's used very to watch nice. Uh, Cactus, <laughs> Cactus Jack or Mankind, though? Uh, I was a Mankind fan. Uh, he used Cactus to come into uh, Funko Land when I worked yeah, there. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and uh, my friend Mesh worked at Blockbuster Video, and I would go and visit her, and Dee Snyder came mm-hmm. in there. I worked with Dee Snyder's son, Jesse, mm-hmm. at uh, Planet Comics in the mall, and... Um, I also have a Billy Joel story, but I won't tell it because it's not my story. It's my brother-in-law's. Uh, anyway, we'll wait for the wrestling talk. It seems like that put Stephanie over the edge. Oh, <laughs> I don't care. I mean, all I'm going to talk about is like The Rock, though. Oh, that's, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. The Rock's awesome. I just yes. watched Furious 7 oh, yeah? the other night. I love that movie, and I cried. That movie? I am not ashamed to say that Furious 7 made me cry. My that, roommate saw it with me, and I think we were both crying. That movie was a thousand times more ridiculous than any of the other Furious movies, um, if you can believe that. Yes, it can was. Can we talk about how great, like, Jason Statham is in that? Like, oh, it was he's amazing. Just, like, he, like, in the opening scene, he's just like, hello, my friend, I need yeah. to, I'm, I'm, I don't know why he sounds like Antonio Banderas, but I can't <laughs> like do, do you want me to do a Cockney voice for you? <laughs> but he's like, hello, I, I've come here to see you, and... You know, my friend, oh, I'm going to avenge you. I'm going to. And then he's like, you know what's good for revenge? Blowing up the hospital with all these grenades. (laughs) And then it's like, oh, this lobby doesn't look like the grenades got to it. You know what's good for that? More grenades. He is basically the T-1000. And then he's like, (laughs) I I still think that there's not enough explosions. So here's some grenades. They were in my pocket. 
They were Jason just in my Statham. pocket. So Here. he'd have them in his pocket. They need to yeah. have Jason Statham in Gotham and have him have yeah. just like a five-minute encounter <laughs> with Alfred where it's just like, oh, all right, mate, how's it going? Oh, I'm just looking after this little dick sneeze over here. Oh, what a snivelling little twat. And just have it be like that for five minutes and now he fell down a cave the other day and now he thinks he's a bat. <laughs> And he reads this comic about a guy who forgot he's a bat. <laughs> what a nutter. <laughs> oh, my God. I awesome. said it would be back. It would be back. Yeah. It was back, definitely. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, awesome. Stephanie. You followed up so. possibly the worst Jason Nathan impression I've ever heard from Stephanie. With the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Shut up. Thanks for being my counterpoint, Steph. Thanks. Mm. I was just making you look better. We're Absolutely. riffing. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, we um, should do a radio yeah, theater. Furious 7 quick. is really good. <laughs> Fast and the Furious 7 is radio theater. Sure. Oh my God, I would do that. I yeah. would. Bobby, <laughs> can we get the script? We, I'm, I'm would sure we can find that. the script. Uh, you saw The Martian, though, right, Bobby? I did, and Steve saw it too, I? right? Yeah. yeah. It, was, oh, it was awesome. It was excellent. Yeah. You and Mara I are making really plans. We, uh, yeah. we have a mandate. You have a mandate? Nice. Yep. Yeah, this guy, I go, oh, I saw The Martian. He goes, thanks for inviting me, <laughs> Judas. And I, said, <laughs> and I said, I already know you have, you're going to see with Bob, so you're Judas first, okay? And then he was like, but it was a mother and it son It was a mother acting. and son. Oh, you got to do that. Yes. Um, but anyway, uh, it was great. Uh, it does a really great job adapting the book. Mm -hmm. um, keeps the spirit completely. I mean, I said to you, Stephanie, they do cut out, um, they cut out a bunch of like the the disasters that happened to him, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, but it, it works. Because I feel like that would make it a bit too much like gravity. Exactly. Like, and when I read the book, that's what I thought reading the book. I was like, this reminds me of gravity. Yeah. Like <laughs> Sandra Bullock's Bad Day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I still haven't seen that. It's like an earnest really? movie, yeah. but oh, like starring Sandra it's Bullock instead. Yeah, absolutely. So it, I, I thought it was good they cut some of those things out because he goes through so much that more would just be like like that scene in Gravity where she's under the water. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Um, so. Um, like she escapes this only to get this. Like, yeah, really, guys? Exactly. Really? So, so I thought that was great. Matt Damon is absolutely perfect in, in, in the lead role they couldn't pick somebody better to, to, to play that character play mark watney uh and they do a really good job integrating all of the nasa stuff as well and you like all those people and mm -hmm. and they, they said in re other reviews it's not original thought by me but the coolest thing about the movie and it's the same thing in the book is that there is no bad guy there are no bad people in the movie you know they are all nice. try like they all have different motivations and sometimes they do stuff that's not so great um, but they're all trying to do the same thing, which is to mm -hmm. save this guy's life. And it's really cool. The, the focus on being smart and, and science yeah. is, is really great as well. It was really awesome to see a movie where somebody's trying to get off of an alien planet and they're not shooting their way out. Yeah, absolutely. They have to science their way out. Mm -hmm. And um, it is a total 100% theater movie. Mm -hmm. If you're thinking about seeing it at all, see it in the theaters because it is just gorgeous. Yeah. I saw it at the Regal. Mm -hmm. It was the first time I was uh, in nice recliner seats. Yeah. And like I got in there and you know it was pretty empty when we walked in because the movies don't start for like 45 minutes after their <laughs> slated time, right? So I walk in I'm like, "Oh, this is really nice." And I sit down and like the seats like it's nice and cushy, but it's a little uncomfortable. It's not really my thing. And she's like, "There's a thing on the side to adjust it." And it's like one of those automated, you know, and I, oh, man, yeah, the, the I laid all the way back and just kind of like tipped my bag of popcorn down my throat mm -hmm. and just watched <laughs> the whole movie. It was glorious. Yeah. That theater went from this place kind of smells like urine to like the yeah. best theater you could possibly go to. <laughs> yeah. I really we have like a bunch of theaters a here um, and they're called like the VIP theaters and you can choose your seats in advance and mm -hmm. yep. um, they serve you booze and bring you food to so their 19 plus and you get comfy leather seats that recline nice. 
So it's like real fancy and it's basically ruined all other uh, sure. movie going experiences for me. It's impossible to see anything else. I don't know. I miss sticky floors. <laughs> you know, I don't the, think that's the, going the, away. I know. This little lagoo was on the floor and, you know, people it's a used weird to, thing to miss. Yeah, but, you know, when, when I was going to theaters as a kid, they were still smoking in movie theaters. My parents smoked. You'd sit in the last three rows in the back and see movies through this haze. You could see the beam of the projector. <laughs> right, exactly, through the smoke. You know, I get weirded out now when I see people smoking cigarettes because the e-cigarette things mm. and the, the vaping has mm. become so prevalent, especially here on the island. That well, anytime I see people smoking actual cigarettes, I'm like, I feel like I'm in a time machine. <laughs> what the hell is happening no, right now? Am I watching an episode of Mad Men? Vaping, yeah. I just want to punch them. Oh, shut up, Stephanie. <laughs> I'm with you, Steph. You guys are assholes. <laughs> I just want to let you know. That. What are you going to do about it? I'm not going to do anything <laughs> about it. so many people vaping, and they're like, I can vape on the bus because it's vaping, not smoking. And I hate that. Well, if a person talks like that, they deserve to be punched in the face. But Just for that. And that is exactly they what all vapors do. Like. No, it's not. <laughs> they call themselves cloud chasers. Oh, how many people? No, look, look. I, as, as someone who lost both parents to smoking, someone who's trying to vape to get themselves off it, I'll salute them. Mm, that because, is a point. Yeah. Let's put it this way. My friend Brandon was two and a half packs a day of unfiltered. He'd roll his own cigarettes with the top nicotine. He started, I think, I can't remember what the amount was, but you start with a certain amount to simulate a cigarette. Mm -hmm. He's now down to 1.5 awesome. Good from for like 20 something. He's virtually not smoking any nicotine at all, or sorry, vaping. Mm. Any. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's for that purpose, it's incredible. Yes, it absolutely can become obnoxious, but that depends on the person. Yeah, it's a, I think it's more problem with like the culture. You know, like the yes. people who get really into the there culture. There are some of it. really dumbass people on the yes. internet yes. that vape, and they vape on but. camera, and the whole point of it is just to blow the biggest cloud, mm -hmm. and they talk about it. Mm -hmm. There are some pretty dumbass people on the internet generally. <laughs> you know what? But watch out, Bob's a couple and, scotches and in, cats. so you guys better watch yeah. out. <laughs> I want to thank you, by the way, for bringing this uh, this Glenn Fittich. Oh, it's awesome. Eighteen year, a small welcome. batch reserve, which is delicious. Mm -hmm. mm. It's got a little, it's very, it's got a little sweetness to it. It's very, very good. It? What'd you say, Stephanie? Is it, Bobby? Good for you guys. Me, 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 me. Yeah, yeah. We have two nice bottles of scotch in front of us, though. I'll send you some stuff. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. Lagavulin? Is watch, that Lagavulin, yes. That's the Ron Swanson stuff? It's the Ron Swanson stuff, yeah. Wow. Bully. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was going to buy some Hennessy's to bring with me. <laughs> That's a weird and then, thing. And then just wrap. Yeah, yeah. H-G-double-N-E. Get some cold 45s <laughs> while you're at it. <laughs> All right, so um, it's been about an hour. We've talked about a lot of stuff that's not comics. I, I had a, like a like oh like let's start with this funny story so that we can we can talk a little bit about nothing for like five minutes. But that was taken care of already. <laughs> Should we do like a, a hour ding, ago. ding 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 ding? No, I was okay. gonna say I was we gonna, could. I was gonna <laughs> inform you all that. Stephanie Meyer has now rewritten the Twilight books with a gender oh, swap. this. She's gonna be a Comic Con on Thursday. Yeah, I bet. Um, uh, we'll have to ask her about very that. Popular. I'm excited. Mm. It'd be very big for our show if we got an interview with Stephanie. <laughs> I yeah. wonder if they're going to do, I mean, since E.L. James or whatever her name is, that's just name. copies that's everything that Stephanie Meyer does, mm -hmm. like, is there now going to be a gender bent Fifty Shades of Grey? Didn't sure. she do that? I'm sure she wrote rewrote the first book, but from like a different perspective. Ugh. No, that was no, like that was Stephanie, Stephanie Meyer. Meyer. She rewrote from, it from... Like, no, E.L. James... I don't think Did so. Oh, um, yeah, that you're right. Oh, that book did come out don't gray. Don't question me on my 50 shades. Sorry, knowledge. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I you. I thought I was talking to the master. I'm sorry, you. 
<laughs> I knew too much about the Stephanie Meyer thing already, so I had <laughs> yeah. to pull back and I don't stop. Know and then you started going on the E.L. James stuff. So okay. Um, I was like joking, and you're like, "No, that's already a thing." Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, well then. Yeah. yeah. Let it lie. Apparently, it's terrible. I'm did sure people well, so was Twilight and so was Fifty Shades. Yeah, yeah, so why matter. shouldn't the rest of them be? Did terrible? people not know that this was coming out? Because I feel like no. it just no, was they didn't. Today. It just it just got no. announced. Okay, she wrote it yesterday. Yeah, she wrote. I'm sure <laughs> all 500 pages. Yeah. It shows She's the quality of it. Basically, like <laughs> the George Lucas of you know tween literature. She's just gonna ride the one thing till it dies. <laughs> And then sell it to Disney. She's right, very lucky. Yeah, she's the George Lucas of, of teen fiction. Because um, she'll be very rich for a very, very long time. Um, she's all right. cashing some big checks already, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Betting, she, I'm yeah. sure she's super rich already. Uh, whatever. Good for her. She made. She wrote a book. She made a lot of money. <laughs> we got to come her. up with one of those. Yeah. I got so duped into reading those books. She really? Books. Oh, yeah. I wasn't duped. I just. I, I remember so vividly. And. When I say this, Bob, it's partly going to insult you because I'm going to talk about a movie that you really like. Uh-huh. But <laughs> I was, I was, I was, and I've never seen the movie, so it's, this is just going off of my when I was watching. I saw the trailer for Twilight, and I was like, "This is before I'd heard of the books, and it was kind of really before like the kind of thing had taken off, mm-hmm. like full full bore." And so I saw the trailer, and I was like, "I was like, what? I was like, this movie looks horrible." I was like, "What is this? It's like a looks like Blood and Chocolate too." <laughs> yes, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I had never seen Blood and Chocolate, uh, and uh, I know Bob really likes that movie, yeah. so I didn't. I don't want to insult Bob, but. Uh, and then I remember I was reading Entertainment Weekly because I used to get Entertainment Weekly because I used to get physical magazines. That was a weird, a weird time. Um, <laughs> and it was oh the Twilight phenomenon. And of course my like th- like my brain is like this is a phenomenon. Like I have to know what it's about. So I read all of the books. It didn't take very long to be fair. It took no. It it, it took a very short amount of time. And they're all. I was like, okay, now I know these are really bad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> at what point did you want to stop reading them? Oh, in the first book, I wanted to stop reading them. <laughs> well, I- yeah. Uh, the, sorry, worked, Stephanie, go ahead. I worked in a movie store when all of this was happening. Um, so I had read the books because we carried books as well. So um, I read the book before they got, like, you know, made into movies because I was like, oh, I just want to know what the hype's all about. And one of the girls that I worked with was, like, really, really into it. Coincidentally enough, her name was Stephanie Brown. Uh, um, I trust you. Yeah, yeah I, was like, I trust you. You're probably um, full of good ideas. She's not. Uh, um, but yeah, so like I read them on her recommendation. They're awful. But like, whatever. If you like them, you like them. I'm not going to judge you for liking them. Um, but but you my will. point of my story is at the cash register um, one day, this girl, she comes up with her mother and um, she has on an amber ring. And one of my coworkers was like, "Wow, what a really nice ring!" And her mom like answered for her and was like, "Yeah, it is really nice, isn't it? It like used to be mine or something." And the girl interrupts. She's like, "No!" She's like, "No, it's not. Edward gave it to me. Edward, we're engaged. Mom, I can't do this. Stop us!" And like had like this freak out in the middle of the story about how like her and Edward were engaged and like they were like soulmates. And I was like, "Oh God!" Of course, <laughs> sounds a bit so like she might have been a yellow lantern. <laughs> Bringing it back to comics too. I like it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Boom. See, Thank I, you. I, I got drawn in. A, one of my best friends, a young lady, Ronnie, said to me, "Well, you like horror and vampires. You should watch Twilight." I already knew I shouldn't, <laughs> so she lent me the first movie, and I watched it, and it was boring and bland and awful and stupid and all the things you can imagine. And because I hate—I don't want to say it this way, but I have to—because I'm a nice guy. 
<laughs> when she asked, how, how did you like them? Well, that's pretty good, you know. Well, we're going to go see the second one on a midnight show, and we're all going, and you're coming, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I'm sorry there's no way to get liquored up enough <laughs> to sit at a midnight show for a Twilight movie it's not true i went to advanced <laughs> screenings, like advanced premieres because oh, like again i was working movie. in the movie like for a movie store so the distributors would give you like passes to the premiere because mm-hmm. they want you to see the movie and then subsequently buy a 10 for your store um so not only did i go um like right off the bat but i went to like the canadian premieres <laughs> awesome uh no. When, <laughs> when we were doing the original run of the Fanboy Remix podcast, which is Brian and I, uh, we were doing the biggest movie that came out every week. And so the New Moon was coming out, which is the second yeah. Twilight movie. And I had seen the first one, uh, and Brian had not. And he was like, I really do not want to watch the first Twilight movie. And I was like, well, we'll do it. We'll do a drinking game. And so we did. We, we got to win my house, and I got a bunch of friends over, and we created like rules for the drinking game. <clears throat> I, I don't remember all the rules at this point, but it's like every time... Um, Kristen Stewart bites her lip. You take a drink nice. every, you know, all this stuff. But, but hey, our friend Ian was about thirty minutes late. We had to call him on his way there. We're like, dude, you need to pick up more beer because we've run we out of beer. <laughs> it was a very, it was a very crazy night. Well, but I have one you could add, which I discovered when I was watching the first movie. There were these odd pauses as characters would say something, make some pronouncement, or be introduced. It's like, why did they just sort of stand there doing nothing? Mm. It's time to give you time to think about Edward's marble chest. Nope. Mm. Yeah, because when I saw it in the theater mm-hmm. with, a, with, a, with a midnight show full of teenage girls, someone would do something, and there'd be this, ah, screaming in yep. the audience. And it was, yep. it, they knew enough to allow pause for, 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 right, for <laughs> 20 the, seconds of stuff. The swoon pause. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and like Stephanie said, like... I, I do not like the material. If people like it, like good I, for them. But my thing awesome. is, like, if you get enjoyment out of something, awesome. Yep. Uh, I find no enjoyment <laughs> in them. I will say this: my one nice thing I was about. I think the third book is the only one of the books that has like feels like it has a real like structure <laughs> to it, and actually has some interesting stuff that happens. That I, was the one that I closed and threw across the room. Really? Yep. Wow. That was the one that I was. I, yep. the, the fourth one is, is atrocious. There was um, one point where I was in the other room, and you can hear me just no. <laughs> <laughs> so our time to comic books today is twenty two minutes. Um, Boom. Uh, it's like the opposite of last week. Like it was just Bob and I, and now there's five of us here. I love Stephanie yeah. clapping in the background. Eh? This is a special week, though. It is very special. Yes, it is. It's near Comic Con yeah. week. It is. Woo-hoo. He was visiting us from Wales. I am. Yeah, not well, not us really. He's visiting. Well, I am the Comic Con. You. You're the main reason why I'm here. Me? In all fairness. Specifically? No, as in you know. Oh, the collective. collective. The royal. Week. I'm going to choose to sit. Sorry, Sorry, you just Bobby. met me. I really like you. Exactly. But I Thank like you. Other people too. All right. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> we should um, see other people. I gave him an autograph Stan Lee poster. <laughs> so, well, yes, Frankie yeah. gave him an autograph Stan Lee poster. Yes, but I delivered it. <laughs> you could have saved him, put him on eBay. Just I could like, have. Just right, like those. There's Scooby-Doo enough of me to go around. It's fine. You're going to, like, quarter and rip Hugh apart by the end of the night. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's New York Comic Con week. Uh, Thursday to Sunday is the show. Um, Steve will be working Joe Blow stuff yeah, uh, the actually whole weekend. Yeah, I wanted to say something about that. Mm. Um, if you see me and you want to say hi, feel free. Uh, I will more than likely have my headphones on because that's just the way that I roll. Uh, if you, if I'm in talk- general too, in real life, yeah, yeah, yeah. he just walks around with headphones. It's yeah. True. <laughs> if, um, but if you need to, if you want to talk to me, if you want to say hi, feel you're more than welcome to do that. Um, just if I'm talking to people, just get in my line of vision and like flail wildly. Um, do not tap me on the shoulder because that will scare me, and then that will be that. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, feel free. I'll be there all four days. Yeah. Um, 
I will be there on Thursday. That's only. Uh, <laughs> yes. So we're going to try to do something after the show on Thursday. Okay. Uh, have some drinks or something. So if anybody is around on Thursday night, please uh, let us know and we'll, uh, we'll set up a time and place for people to come. Uh, I'm just a mystery. I just wander yeah, through Yeah, you'll convention. never find Bob. Bob is the wind. Jackie had an idea. She has this like kid's bracelet. That, yeah. that it's like some sort of Fitbit yeah, yeah. RFID kind of thing yeah. that you can find me at the convention. But we're not doing that. Well, I'm were... really surprised that we haven't like gotten you a burner phone. Just Bob has Apparently a burner that's phone. been tried. Bob has a burner phone. He I, just doesn't use it. It's, 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 it in, it's in the drawer at home. Yes. <laughs> this is what everyone, everyone was like, somebody should buy Bob a phone for his birthday. I was like, Bob doesn't want a phone. I don't want a phone. <laughs> Look, Hugh found me last year. And tells his glorious story like I'm Clint Eastwood in some spaghetti western with the sun behind me or whatever. It's like, you know, that's how you want to find me. That's exactly how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> Through the Batman logo that's yeah, at right. the end of the Javits Center. Exactly. We needed someone to whistle at. It would have been fun. So, if, look. If you're not in Bob's field division, if Bob's on your field division, he's in the wind. He's gone. Yeah. He was on a mission, to be fair. He had coffee and he <laughs> was going places. Find you. Yeah. If he's not in the sun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, New York Comic Con... Um, Hugh, what are you looking forward to the most this year? Um, I hopefully will be getting into the Batman panel because oh, yeah, yeah, I want to yeah. get in there because there has been a big announcement mm-hmm. teased by I can't remember his name, some guy who's produced every Batman. Uh, movie. Michael Uslan. Uslan, yeah. So yeah, there's a, a lot of speculation going around as to what that is. Um, there is a big apparently there's a panel on Thursday called the biggest Attack on Titan manga announcement. Ever, mm. which is quite wordy. It's a very specific na- um, name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want to go to that because obviously I'm a big Attack on Titan fan. Um, yeah, and like the guest list for Artist Alley this year is phenomenal. Yeah. And I think me and Steve both want to go and see a certain Mr. Sale. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we both fanboyed out a bit when uh, when I spotted that. Yeah, he's my number one uh, that I wanna I wanna run into. Uh, probably Thursday is gonna be my day for that yeah. if he's there. I hope. And you know, run around, pick up some prints, and mm. you know. Hopefully, I'll get to close enough to Annie Wu to buy a few things. Did you? Uh, I know last year you got a commission from Declan Shelby, right? I did. Wow. Yeah, I haven't commissioned anything this year, gotcha. unfortunately. Um, I did sort of put the feelers out with a few people, but their lists were full, unfortunately. Uh, so, gotcha. yeah, it seems like people are a lot busier this year than mm-hmm. they were last year. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, the the artist Ali this year, the the list is probably even better than last year. Yeah, and Bob has <laughs> wow. a tiny, tiny. I have print a list version. that you can't see even with a magnifying glass. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hope they print it bigger on the board on the guide. Wait, board I right. saw one. I'm sure, they will. Klaus Jansen is going to be there. Yay. <laughs> uh, Steve, what are you looking forward to the most? I know you've got a, other than the stuff you actually like have to do like work wise. Uh, I honestly, um, I'm looking forward to just walking around and doing what I do during the con. My favorite part of Comic-Con out of anything is just is people watching. I absolutely love talking to people yeah. and taking their photo and doing the video and, and doing my job. Um, my job feels like it's much larger than it was last year, but in terms of like events that I'm going to, I know you said besides work-related <laughs> stuff, but um, I got invited to a Hunger Games Mockingjay virtual tour where they're going to strap like an Oculus onto my head and you're actually in the city and in the forest and, and you watch like a, a preview of the movie of like what it's like to be in the Hunger Games. Wow. that sounds cool. Um, there's a blood rave happening on Friday night at Terminal 5, which they're recreating the um, like the subway rave scene. Opening scene of Blade 1. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Is everybody going to be... get murdered by a half human, half mm-hmm. vampire? Yeah. That's yeah. A, it's a whole experience. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Okay. They're gonna, so they're gonna Hugh, are you hard. free next week for the show? <laughs> yeah, it was nice knowing you. <laughs> so, um, bands, uh, the picture plane, picture plane, and the Crystal Method are performing. Um, I don't know that we'll be able to stay for the whole thing, just because of time constraints and living on the island back and forth. But um, I've got a couple of interviews lined up. I'm going to get to meet some really uh, amazing people, and um, bumping into bumping into fans. I and honestly, shopping. I love picking stuff up. I love meeting creators and getting things signed and bringing them home and having those books feel just a little bit more special than some of the stuff I pick up at the regular comic shop. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to uh, Justin Townsend and I was like, we, because last year we went together on Thursday mm-hmm. and we had a great like hour period where we just kind of walked around and bought a whole ton of stuff. That's the way to do it and on I was Thursday. Like, we need to have like another, another like hour where we just walk around. So yeah. we're definitely going to have, yeah. have that time. Kitty Cook's going to be there. I'm run- That's first stop Thursday. Yeah. I want to yeah. show her my tattoo. I want to I wanna get another thing done by her, and um, just say hello. Um, I don't know. I really haven't looked at the list. Like I don't know who is going to be there, and that's also another part of what I'm looking forward to is just kind of walking around and being like, "Oh wow," mm-hmm. and walking over and be like, "Hey, blah 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 blah." So and so's here today. I have no idea. Forty Four Floods going to be there uh, this year. I always look forward to running into them. Uh, Menton is actually now doing tattoo work. He uh, finished his apprenticeship, and he's doing tattoos. I'm actually thinking about scheduling something with him. Um, you know you're going to. I want to. I really want him to design my Fantastic Four tattoo, but I think that would be way too expensive. So um, I might be working on that with my friend Cheryl, who does all of my stuff. Anyway, uh, this coming Monday. So oh, we're going to cool. map out uh, the rest of my arm, and uh, the whole rest of my right arm is going to be Fantastic I'm Four. Sh- I'm sure I've wow. seen Ben Templesmith's yeah. name on the list. Yeah, he's there. He's hmm. always there. Indeed. My you, favorite part oh, is not having to deal with the crowds. Yeah, that's the part I'm least looking forward to. <laughs> and the yeah. fact also that my badge never got here. So what? I that's have ridiculous. to go pick it up at the show. If they make me wait in line, I'm going to kill them. <laughs> well, that's how special edition went, yeah. sadly. We, we all ended up waiting out in the rain. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. And then, then they told us to go through that entrance that we could have walked in from the start. 20 minutes before. 20 minutes yeah. beforehand and just... Oh well, you gotta ask that guy. Yeah. They sent us like four different people. Yeah. I'm going to that. I'm going to that press door. And I'm, yes. I'm saying, you let me in. I got my my. I gotta go get my pass. So we'll see. What Bring whatever to... paperwork you yes. got in the mail. Print absolutely. it all out. Yeah, and, yeah. absolutely. Mine's already in my bag. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to feel. I'm, I don't want to sound like like you know. I'm crying about not having to wait in line for the people actually to wait. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, like for my argument is this: we're the press, right? Like we're covering the show. We're experiencing the show not in like a leisurely fashion, but actually reporting on it. Working, you, you working, want, yeah, press, working. Yeah. Like you want to get those people into the show. Well, as, they do. I'm just saying, like, because I don't have my pass, I don't. I don't want to be like, you don't have a pass. You have to wait in this line. Yeah, I'd be really angry. But yeah. what are you looking for the most? Well, I, as with Steve, I love people watching. Look, creators are great. Some of the there's some panels I want to go see. Some I'm not going to get into. Certainly, the, the bigger ones. But it's just seeing the changing face of fandom for me. We're now seeing families and kids and, and more women, and it's, okay, we're driving this around again. It's all changing. Mm-hmm. And the books that are coming with it, I want to hit some of these panels that are going to talk about the new books. I want to ask some rude questions about where's the Fantastic Four. <laughs> That's what I want. Do it. Do See it. if I can get thrown out of. Do it. Uh, <laughs> 
Now, I had a lovely conversation with James Robinson last time around where he was just so sad about his book ending before he wanted it to end. Yeah, that was quite sad. I felt really sorry. Yeah. That run turned out. We were at that panel and he was sort of like, uh, you know, everyone's going to have a good ending and you're all going to love it. And he just walked off the panel to the back of the room and I caught him at the end. Is the trade out for that final arc? Oh, fantastic. I think Four. so. Yeah, yes, it is. Because I never read the last issue. Oh. I read everything up until the last issue. It's definitely out. You should read it because it could be on my short list. At the oh, end I'll of the read year. it. Now that I know mm. that it's out, Teasers. I'll read it. <laughs> Teasers. I'm picking up so many trades lately. Uh, we had. Uh, I put out the call for some questions. I just want to throw this ah. one. Is, this one is very uh, precious. What we're talking about here, um, but I want to throw this at Stephanie. It says, "What are your favorite sketches commissions from cons, and do you have an advice for starting a sketchbook to theme or not?" Oh, this is from at Thunderfoot seventy seven. By the way, I do have favorite um, sketches. So, like this past Emerald City, I got um, a sketch um, from Gabriel Hardman, um, and it is from um, the movie starring Gene Tierney, uh, Laura. Oh, <gasps> one of my favorites. Um, so I had him do a Laura piece because uh, back when we were. Um, in Malta together, him and uh, Karina Becco and I, we were discussing like old film noirs and he was like, oh, I love like film noir, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh my God, I need you to do a Laura piece. And his eyes lit up and he was like, yes, yes. Like a thousand times. Yes. Like, you know, I, I feel like when you draw superheroes, um, something that you don't get asked to draw a lot are like things that you love outside of that like passions and film and gabriel hardman a lot of people don't know but like he does storyboards as well like he did all the storyboarding for like inception um and a bunch of other really cool things and so yeah like film is like this huge like love and so yeah i was like can you do a lore piece and it turned out so 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 good um and I think that's part of why it's my favorite piece is because not only do I love it, but I love it more knowing that he, he loved, loved it. working yeah. on it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. It's such and a like, wonderful, wonderful film and that he connected with you, for, uh, something you both loved. That, yeah. yeah even it's, a really, it. it's a really special thing when you pick something that you want and the creator is excited about it. Um there's a lot of them are like, oh, I don't know that character. Or, I don't know this thing. And you're kind of like, oh, well, here's some reference. And they'll do their best. And a lot of time it's amazing because you're, you're getting paid. They're getting paid um, to do a great job. Um, but it's just so much better when they're excited about it, too. And then, yeah, you, like, share that moment. Mm-hmm. So that's my favorite piece. Um, and that one that I had commissioned. Um, and then speaking on sketchbooks... I find that it's always nice to have a theme. Um, if you you can leave it like pretty general, like you can do say an X Men book, and just like have somebody draw like for instance their favorite X Men character, or like you know um, a combination of characters, or like be like mm, I want you to draw me the X Men team in the nineties. Um, keep in mind that usually. Uh, the commissions are per character. Um, But I find that it's nice to have things kind of narrowed down like that so that it's not um, like you're like, what should I fill this up with? Um, And you're not kind of trying to figure out this endless possibility uh, this for this book. Um, I obviously have like my cat theme. I was going to say, I remember that one. Um, I have, I started a mythology sketchbook. 
Um, and I know like a couple other people, like my friend Danny, she has like a Femme Fatales one. Um, and uh, my friend Molly has uh, a themed one where it's just redheads. Um, and that one's really cool, actually. That one's beautiful. Um, but yeah, uh, there's there's lots of possibilities. And yeah, you can even leave it as broad as redheads and still wind up having a really cool sketchbook. But it's it's more fun to kind of give them a theme to work in and, uh, you know, put some parameters on what they can do. Because, I mean, it's fun for them to kind of just do willy-nilly stuff. But when you're working at a show, your brain is mush and they just kind of want to be art directed in not like, well, I want them posed like this <laughs> with one leg like slightly at a 90-degree angle to this and perpendicular to like whatever blah 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 like just be like you know i want wonder woman in the invisible jet <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. and they're gonna be like all right cool yeah and go to town with it yeah um yeah my one thing is i would say like seven just left off there i would say i you have an idea of what you want but also you're getting this artist to do it for a reason so let them kind of take it those those like those little details let them put their sort of stamp on it mm. um for you yeah i had um i mean my experience with like figuring out my commission last year with declan shelby was really cool because i basically just said to him you know what i want is like batman's head with like gotham city skyline in the background um and he was like yep yeah, cool i can do that and then a few weeks later he came back to me with like a you know outline sketch and he was like actually i've put a different spin on it for you um i was kind of thinking of doing um, something a bit different. So basically what he'd done for me is Batman's head um, and sort of in the shadow across his face, inside that is Gotham Skyline. Wow. Um, awesome. And I was like, dude, that is incredible. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's obvious that, like, he took my idea and was just like, I think I can put, like, a really cool spin on this. Mm. Um, and he ran with it. And now I've just got this amazing piece of art on my wall, which, like, I would never have thought to ask for something that cool. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, artists are usually pretty good at, if you give them a basic outline, sometimes they will come up with something, you know, that bit up from what you can think of. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, that was a great question though. Uh, so yeah, so uh, pumped for the show. I'm only going on Thursday, but, uh, it, I found out because I went Thursday last year too. I found that one day was not quite enough, but I feel like two days is enough <laughs> for me, just for me personally. Like I wanted more after the first day, but the years that I've gone all four days, when I get to the middle of day three, I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't believe I have another day that, I, mm-hmm. <laughs> that I'm going to be here. <laughs> so, so yes, I, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still excited to do. I'm excited to go and say a couple interviews, you know, lined up for, for the, for the site. I'm going to talk to Josh Williamson, uh, oh, cool. again. So, uh, so that that'll be cool, and some other people as well. So that'll be neat. And but I'm looking forward to just walking around Artist Alley and, and the show floor, and just soaking it in and doing my thing. Um, Especially on Thursday, the, the access to creators in the look, it's going to be busier this Thursday than it has been in the past. So it's more open to the public. Yeah, but it is still not the crush of Friday and Saturday, yeah. and that you can actually take a moment to say, "Not I love your book. Get your thing signed and run." Mm-hmm. It's Here's why. Yeah. And have have that interaction with folks. It's mm-hmm. just so great because they're real people. Mm-hmm. And it's just fun. Yeah. Just the, fun. the first year, Thursday was a blissful wonderland. The yeah, first year empty. we went. Absolutely. 
Um, the second year, Thursday was busier, but not like still meals less busy than the rest mm-hmm. of the days. But last year, Thursday was like Friday. Friday. Yeah. It was just as busy as any other Friday has mm-hmm. been on the, on the other thing. So, and I can't imagine it's going to be any less busy, like you said, Bob, if not more this year. So yeah. we'll see though. We'll see. I'm sure we'll, we'll have interviews and podcasts and stuff from, uh, from the show floor, um, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll check in over the weekend. We're going to sit against that same wall we always do, back mm. in the block. On the nice cold floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the wonderful, oh, the press lounge, though, will be wonderful. Um, ah. The executive toilets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, you get to go up there this year. Yeah. That's right. Well, I did last year. That was how I ended up meeting oh, Scott Snyder. That's right. Yeah, great that's right. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, and that little coffee shop with no lines. Yeah, go up and get your coffee. That and sounds like bliss. Yes. Yeah, go to that empanada cart, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. Absolutely, artist Absolutely. alley. Go to the mm-hmm. empanada cart. Homemade empanadas, they're amazing. Yeah. Which was so missing when we cheap. went to that pier, whatever the heck it was yep. last time around. Yeah. Those things got me through that entire weekend. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was it like four bucks a shot? Yeah, they're Not amazing. Even. They're really good. They were great. Yeah. Um, all right, <laughs> Stephanie. Hi. How are you doing? I'm I'm pretty good. How are you? I feel bad because you're not coming to New York Comic Con, so I feel bad we're talking about it and you're left out. <laughs> yeah, yes, we jerks. Do. And I'm being sincere. <laughs> yeah, we miss you. I wish, always. I wish I could be there. I'm not. I'm not going anymore because you're not. Yeah. Aww. No, he's. That's I'm not. Sorry. That's a lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <Bob>. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could go. I wish I could. I know. Next I know. time. Next time. Stephanie, did you see the news about Black Widow this week? I did. She's getting a new series. She is with uh, the Daredevil, the full Daredevil team: yeah. Mark Wade, Chris Samney, yeah. uh, Matthew. That should be pretty good. Yeah, Joygasm. Ma- yeah, Matthew Wilson and Joe Carmaja. Carmanga. Carmanga. Yeah. Um, so that ties into sort of one of the books that I'm going to talk about at some point. Oh, uh, really? Ooh. Teasers. Mm-hmm. Um, Scaramanga was that the man with the golden gun? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You excited about it, Stephanie? You, you like? Yeah. Like, you like the idea of the team? You like the idea of uh, these people taking over the book? I do, and I like that Black Widow is obviously making uh, a return post um, the series with Edmondson and Noto. So, um, yeah, I'm happy she has a home, and it's a great team. I, I'm holding out that, like, just hire a lady, guys. Let's just get some women writing these books, too. Like, we have we have those in the world. <laughs> they're, they're actually good writers. There are writers that are good, and they're ladies. It's true. I've heard of that. So, I mean, I'm pretty excited. Like, I'm not going to complain about that team, you know. Um, I think, like, a long time ago when, like, Thor and um, the C- Captain America were coming out, we talked a lot about pandering and how um, it only really feels like pandering if, you know, there's not um, a big creative team behind it and they're just, you know, putting these books forward for the sake of it. And um, I can't say that it feels like pandering when they're putting two uh a-list heavy hitters yeah. on um, a book like this. So I'm definitely interested to see what they do with her. Yeah, m- me too. I mean, it, talking to, talking by surprise, it was not one of the characters that I expected them to mm-hmm. say that they were taking over. We talked last week a little bit about how they were going to be on it. They had a new team and they were going to a new book together. Um, you know, we kind of... I'm jealous. I, knew Fantastic I am Four. so jealous that they're not so, on the Fantastic Four book. I knew Bob would be upset. Um, I thought maybe Iron Fist as well would yeah. be uh, maybe something they could do. Obviously, we are, that's another news item uh, for today that just got announced today. But, yeah, really excited. I mean, I, I can't wait to see what they do w- w- with the character. Um, and, and a lot of what they said, and I think in the interview, they talked about this, but they, Wade uh, talked about this, but he said, much like with Daredevil, they're going to, they're not going, the, the events of, Black Widow, number one, don't start up directly from any 
any run. It, they don't, it doesn't start like you know this one ends. You know the the Noto Edmondson run ends and we start the, the, for the next like beat in her life. But all the stuff that's come before will be. You know that will be inform what what they do with, with her, which is the same thing that they did with Daredevil. Obviously, will we see Matt? I'm thinking yes. They have a history they together, do have a history so together. somewhere along the way, you're cool. going to see Daredevil show up. I'm saying, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but very cool. I mean, I think it's it's going to be it's going to be neat to see what they do with with, with that book and um, the, where they go with tone and where they go with um, you know direction of of the character going off of what happened with, with the last stuff so yeah. uh, I, I, to see what, what it's like and it's out in spring next year they said sometime early 2016 so, is, is all they yeah, said yeah maybe Secret Wars will have finished by then no no issue <laughs> 7 will be out <laughs> spring 20 issue 14 we're extending it again they'll extend it again it'll just be that yeah. for, forever uh-huh. Jonathan Hickman still got his whiteboard he the keeps secret erasing is it and never moving ends. Yeah. Yeah. He's, got, he's got one of those like rooms with like the index cards with the string on it, you know, yeah. connecting all the points. He just keeps adding points. It's, it's that Reed Richards room with all the mm-hmm. formulas in it that he was writing. He's yes. now created that for real. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Or he's like creating things out of mashed potato. Yeah. This means something. Uh, it's just Dr. Doom's face. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see what, what, what comes of that. That's, that's going to be cool to see that team on, on that book. Um, I mean, the, it's funny because the deluge, right, of, of new Marvel stuff starts this week where there's a lot of new Marvel yeah. stuff this week. Um, and we have a we have a question about the new Marvel stuff, which we'll get to, I think, right after Ooh. we talk about um, this other one. But, Steve, do you have any thoughts on the Black Widow book? Oh, you know I'm excited about that. Yeah. I mean, Daredevil has been one of the best series I've ever read uh, in my in all of my years of reading <laughs> comics for the past, you know, three plus, <laughs> what, four years now? Oh, yeah, over four years now. Wow, all right, so over four years, damn. Um, I mean, yes, I would have loved to have seen a Fantastic Four from them, but I will most certainly take a Black Widow from that team, and if they're, they might incorporate Daredevil into that at some point, that would be exciting. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing Samney's art mm-hmm. on that stuff, like, both Bobby and I are fans of like the black, red, and white combinations. Mm. What Samney can probably do with that palette for that character, I have no doubt, is going to look yeah. amazing. Yeah, that, that first cover, they, the cover they released, looks great. Yeah, and they bring mm-hmm. they bring such a such a dignity to their characters that it'll be Perfect. it'll be. I mean, I haven't read much of the the Edmondson um, and Noto run, but I would really like to see Natasha just created by that team knowing full well that they're going to do her character justice i have no doubt about that whatsoever absolutely yeah no, those little books were good they just seemed somewhat episodic eventually mm. i just couldn't i couldn't keep the thread and i i i dropped off of it but my my girlfriend collected the whole thing yeah. so eventually when we live together down the road i'll read it i read about half the art was brilliant by phil noto obviously and the writing was very good it just never seemed for me anyway I, to go anywhere mm-hmm. and i'm sure probably did as we finished so, yeah, I, this is going to be on my pull list. Uh, and the other thing announced, which I, this happened, I think, a couple weeks ago with the, the Black Panther announcement, because Bob was at work and didn't hear about yeah. this. Um, they announced today a Power Man Iron Fist <laughs> book written by David Walker with art by Sanford Green. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. I spoke very highly of David Walker's Shaft series as it was coming out. Luke Cage, who came out in, you know, 72, 73, based obviously on the John Shaft idea of African-American superhero doing ground-level stuff in New York, in Times Square, that David F. Walker is going to address Luke and then Danny with it, and then that supporting mm-hmm. cast of Misty and Colleen and D.W. Griffith and the whole mess. Oh, I'm, 
I'm, I'm in heaven. Mm-hmm. That it couldn't be a better fit. Nice. Than that I'm writer on that. that character. Mm. I don't have much experience with either of those characters, so I'm really looking forward oh. to getting into that series. I still haven't read Fractions Iron Fist. It's oh. really great. I know. I keep I keep finding half of it when I'm shopping. I can never find the whole thing. Maybe I could find it this weekend. Yeah. It's uh, really, omnibus. Really yeah, they have, they have they released yeah. it all collected. All right. Yep. So and is it's it not, actually so, collected or collected in various volumes? Well, <laughs> no, yes. The complete collection. There are two. I think there are two volumes of the complete collection. Two complete oh, volumes. Oh, Marvel, I hate you. <laughs> collected zero point five. Um. So yeah. So the, yeah, you should definitely read that. But I'm really excited. I'm really excited, especially I. I read some of the Kyrie Andrews Iron Fist series, and it just wasn't like the the kind of book I was looking for with Iron Fist. It's a cool book. It's got a very sort of um, like eighties Frank Miller vibe to it, I think. But I I wanted more. All the white space and yeah, <laughs> I wanted more. Not that Frank Miller, <laughs> like the Dark Knight Returns Frank Miller yeah. or the Daredevil Frank Miller. Um, well, he does. He does do have a still very Sim City kind of style to it, regardless. Yeah, but there's a lot, lot less Earth negative Street. space in in the in those books. Um, nice. But uh, I, so, but I want more. I mean, I don't think this is going to be quite uh, Fraction Defenders Iron Fist. No, but not that quite. Not quite. Not that's kind of fun and silly. But I feel like it's going to be somewhere closer to what, well, I'm, what when, I want. When they combine the two characters, which is uh, was Luke Cage, Hero for Hire, Luke Cage, then Power Man mm-hmm. with issue twenty seven. No, seventeen. Sorry. God damn it, Bob. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm I've, I've been drinking. <laughs> okay. Um, Come back to Wales. It's issue 20 (laughs) where it's the two power men fighting each other. Uh, When they combine the two books, it's that fish out of water. It's that odd buddy movie. Two characters from such different places, and they work. And tons of writers over the years found a way to make them work. Originally, it was Claremont. It's Chris Mm. Claremont and John Byrne who who put them together. And that they're back after all this time. They, They haven't been together in a book in probably 20 years. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely awesome as a series. So more all new, all different Marvel? Yes, uh, 2016 again yeah. as well. So I just won't read any of the regular books. I'll read all these sidebar books. And I'll be very happy. <laughs> very happy. Um, as an aside okay. for those two characters, I'm fingers crossed going to go to the um, Marvel Netflix panel oh, on nice. the weekend. Ooh. Which speculation is they're going to be showing the first episode of Jessica what? Jones. <laughs> did anybody see the new teaser? No. She's she jumping? Yeah. Flying. She no, did her. No, I, I, I saw the, the alarm away. clock one. No, then, she was, she's basically walking up the street with her hands in her pockets and she's got her back to the camera. And then, um, like, the camera sort of, like, shoots up to, like, this fire escape on the side of a building. Mm-hmm. And then all you hear is, like, this whoosh. And then she just goes and lands on the... And then it just comes up with the title. Nice. So I keep I'm wondering why, like, all of the time it keeps coming up with the, the time... Oh when? yeah, I don't know. That's good. That's a good. That's a mm. good question. There's probably a theme in there. Yeah. Well, there is. Yeah. Yeah. I still haven't seen season two for the Flash trailers yet, and it starts tonight. It starts yeah. tonight. Yeah. yeah. Time people are listening to this, it will have happened. I mean, yeah. yeah. I Dan Slott is currently tweeting about it. <laughs> I think I know what it is with the Jessica. Mm-hmm. As Stephanie was talking about old film noir, which always had voiceovers. Yeah. Detective. It was a great day in mm. the city. That would be I so think cool. I think you're going to get Jessica doing that. And yes. It's going to be those timestamps. Mm-hmm. Oh, Steph, did you, watch, did you watch the um, first episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah, I did. Uh, what did you I think? I was super impressed. It was yeah. so good. It's a completely really, different show really, again. I really liked it. Yeah, it's like, it's hard to believe um, how far they've come. Like, I... 
really had a love-hate relationship with season two. I hated, straight up hated season one until like the Winter Soldier stuff kicked yeah, in. Yeah, absolutely. I think and, everybody did. Yeah, and now like the season started off so strong. Sky is no longer insufferable. I and think Daisy. Like, yeah, sorry, Daisy. <laughs> um, I don't understand. Like, I call baloney on that. Nobody just changes their name like in like a day, and there's just like hmm. somebody's like, "Oh, hey, Sky," and they're like, uh, "No, Daisy." Yeah. Um, well, they did make a joke on. of it at one point. Like, let me, let me throw something right. out there from real life. There's an uh, actress real we name? there's an actress we all know <laughs> and love, whose real name is Susan. Whose father was the head of production at NBC, who created the Today Show and the Tonight Show, and whose uncle was a famous radio and record comedian named Doodles. And her name was Susan Weaver, and she decided to become Sigourney Weaver because it was cooler. Well, so I mean, sometimes people like, take actor, a second mm-hmm. name. I feel like that makes more sense. But, like, anyways, but name stuff aside, the first uh, episode of S.H.I.E.L.D. was incredibly strong. Yes, it was. It was I really enjoyed it. Um, really enjoying what's going on with Fitz and Simmons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know where that's leading into. Sky again, interesting. Finally. Um, mm-hmm. and- I, see, I don't get that. I I've always liked her since the beginning. I wonder why she was because she's a good character. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> she was like the most one-dimensional character that I has ever. So existed. disagree. What with happened you? to Agent McBlandy McBland Bland? That he's you back. Hated? In he's the back. Second he hasn't been bland since the end of season That's one. Right. He's he's now <laughs> rebuilding a certain you know yeah. cut mm. off their heads. Another one. He hasn't been agent them. agent since like episode yeah. fifteen. Pretty boring for a while into season two, and then he got good. You are crazy. Like, <laughs> you just love yeah. to hate things. No, I don't. I just, I'm just right. Her, her entrance in the first episode was very, very cool. It was very yeah. cool. I'm, yeah. I'm really stoked where they're doing within humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, there's obvious like, um, you know, build up sort of little references for Civil War. Mm-hmm. You know, with the whole other group that are after the Inhumans mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I was like, when they first showed you, um, I don't want to spoil the episode for anyone, but they show you this character that's like hunting um, in humans. Mm, And I was like, whoa. (laughs) Whoa. Mm -hmm. And he's wearing construction boots for some reason. (laughs) Maybe he was a construction worker. Because he's a bad guy. Okay. He's got a very like spindly body. He was a construction worker, wasn't he? he... (laughs) I'll have to look. Because his his character was fantastic. Mm. Uh, Joe Majuera was mm-hmm. the one that yeah. first drew him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that stuff was amazing. Um, He's at NYCC too. Is he? Lash? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's another <laughs> that's, thing I'm going to. Um, Todd McFarlane. Uh, I have an appointment with him to see all the the new figures and stuff mm-hmm. from. Uh, what is it? The nineties? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, tell him I hate my him. my Comic Con <laughs> weekend. <laughs> my Comic Con weekend is steeped in the nineties. That would be really funny. Ridiculous. Yeah. Did anybody see his video? His Twitter got hacked. And oh, he Tom posted, McFarlane? Really? Yeah, he posted a video it. basically like ribbing the guy who hacked his Twitter feed. It's on Facebook. It's actually really funny. I really haven't paid attention to him since ever. Yeah, <laughs> nobody has. Oh, he does wear pants. Does anybody show. read Spawn anymore? No, but he... No. I mean, people do. I don't want to say that because people do read Spawn. Yeah. I don't want to get all shitty with I people who read Spawn. At. I used to love it. Yeah, people do still read it, but uh, Tom McFarlane, I still think, like, I still think he does really cool art. I just don't like it in like a sequential format. That's my thing with his art. I think like, posters, posters. Yep. I think it's amazing. Yeah. I just don't He's like, like the Jim Lee. Well, I was going to say the Jim Lee of image, but Jim Lee is the Jim Lee of image. Yeah. <laughs> As was McFarlane. Yeah. yeah. So time. that's a little weird thing to say. <laughs> well, that's why I stopped myself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so we had, a, we had a question though. This is a, this kind of goes off of the Marvel stuff. Um, Cody Teacherick, who's at Comic Book Cody on Twitter, says, "How's everyone feel about Marvel's prices for the new books, such as Spider Man at five ninety nine? <laughs> no, <laughs> let's let's try to be not trolly about this. And, um, How is that not trolly? You're pe- you're paying six dollars for a twenty four page book. Well, That's no, Spider Man is in twenty four pages this this week. Um, and 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 the thing about Spider Man, I will say, is that the five ninety nine price point is only for this issue. It goes down to I don't know what yet. Okay. Dan Slott said a regular price after this week. It's so it's four ninety nine. Yeah. So if it's three ninety nine, that's fine. Whatever we've been paying that forever. But still, it's double shipped as well. Yeah, but that's always been that way though. Mm, yeah. I know. So I'm like, um, but is this amazing? Is his amazing Spider Man book going to be double shipped? I, I would assume so. Because there isn't their Spider Man is... book now. Yeah, the Bend of Spider-Man book. I think true. there were two amazings the first month. Oh, I mean, I'd be, yeah, that might be true, but I don't know if that's going to continue or not. Yeah. Also, because, um, yeah, I don't know. But uh, so we know that that's five ninety nine. There's a bunch of books coming out this week that are expensive. Doctor uh, Strange. Doctor yeah. Strange is, is four ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which uh, the point one is, is that's also five ninety nine. Five ninety nine. Five ninety nine. Okay. Um, I think pretty much all of the new stuff except for. Um, Future Imperfect is out this week, I think. Yeah. The the series and Context of Champions. And an issue of Secret Wars. That's true. No. Remember, remember no. that? I'm talking about the new stuff. The, the stuff is that's it like, really? Yeah, yeah. And issue not yeah. last year's stuff. Yeah, not last year's <laughs> stuff. Um, are all out. So, yeah. So, you know, just in general, I, I think what you're going to mostly see probably is the, f- the 499 price point, though, the one that Doctor Strange is. I think you're going to start seeing that be the more normal price point for, for Marvel books. Yeah. So, um, you know, other than the fact, of course, more expensive books we don't want the books to be more expensive. That is an obvious statement. Um, but let's talk about what we think it means for Marvel. Is this going to end up being something that helps them, hurts them, if things stay the same? What do we think? Uh, Stephanie, why don't you go first? I, I always think that it, like higher price points not just hurt Marvel comics, but they hurt all comics all around because, you know you're raising the price on your one book that's cutting into the budget that somebody has for other books too. So, Marvel, you're being a dick. Seventies <laughs> wise words, Bob. <laughs> I agree with Stephanie wholeheartedly, as I usually do on this subject. So everybody, point your hate towards Stephanie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I didn't say that's that. That's okay. They will anyway. That's right. Aww. No, don't but, say that. Because honestly, you, if you're going to want to buy that first Doctor Strange, that mm-hmm. first Spider-Man. But because the extra couple of bucks on each of them, now you're not buying an image book. You're not buying a DC book. You're not buying a Dark Horse or an IDW or a Lumberjanes or whatever else comes out this week. And so it affects the diversity in the marketplace. It affects other writers beyond big two sort of people. And look, this new universe is supposed to be another jumping on point. This creates a jumping off point. I look at a $6 book. You know what? I don't even want to get started. Yeah, that's my main. I'll issue go find with it. something else to read. Yeah. Hugh, continue. What, 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 yeah. what were you saying? Well, yeah. I mean, it, like Bob was saying, I, I, for the whole point of this Secret Wars thing was like this time last year, Marvel were you know on about how you know Secret Wars was going to reset everything. It was going to streamline. It was going to make everything more user friendly. You know, new readers come in, issue ones. You know, new status quo. Um. And, you know, comic books aren't cheap as it is. And coming in with, like, a, a load of new number ones at this high price point, like, if it was, you know, maybe the the big books, um, you know, so to speak, like Amazing Spider-Man, you know, the ones that are the really, really popular ones, put out, like, a double-sized issue and, you know, put up the price point a little bit. 
okay, I could I could kind of get my head around that. But when you've got like multiple number ones coming out a week and they're at a higher price point, mm-hmm. how are you know how are fifteen year old kids going to be able to afford, you know, amen to be able to buy that many comics? Uh, you know, if if even if it's just like three books, that's still quite a bit of money. You're yeah, looking at like it's your entire budget for the week on yeah, three books. You're look, you're looking at like, you know, fifteen plus dollars on on three comics. Oh yeah. However many it is. You know, the point one um thing, um, you know, that's probably gonna be kind of important because I think that's telling sort of like snippets of, you know, maybe three or Especially four. Especially for yeah. people that stories. skipped a lot of the battle world stuff yeah. like I did. Yeah. And there's um, Avengers Zero. Zero Zero coming out. So that's gonna be kind of important as well. So you just you know you just think well you you're basically just more or less forcing people to cherry pick one maybe two books um to otherwise you know the their budget won't stretch to it I mean I'm lucky in the fact that I'm over here with like a bit of money that I've been saving for the past year <laughs> yeah, so I can yeah, buy yeah. everything <laughs> but not everybody has that luxury and you know they mm-hmm. they're shooting themselves in the foot like I said, if if it's one book a week, fine. But doing it with three, four titles, they're they're pricing people out of the market. Yeah, and I think that's the main thing for me. And it's look, I mean, do I want to spend what it amounts to like twenty five dollars <laughs> just on like four Marvel books? No. Will it for me personally? Will it like make me not be able to put food on my table by the, at the end of the month? Absolutely not. But it, it's just one of those things where. It, it it's a mental hurdle where I feel like I don't want to spend that amount of money on that stuff. And for me, actually, it doesn't. It, um, it, it's going to hurt Marvel for me, you know, personally. Yeah. It's my personal. I, I'm going to buy less Marvel books, um, and, and I'm good, that, that's going to free up money for me to buy other stuff because that's what I'm going to I'm going to check out. And I I don't. It bothers me because like I do want to read a lot of these number one stuff, and I will end up. I'm going to end up reading probably. Most of the ones that come out this week, not, probably I'm, I probably won't pick up the smaller ones. I would probably want to pick up Contest of Champions or P- Future Imperfect because yeah. uh, I'm going to spend all my money buying the 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 kind of marquee titles. Uh, the one which I'm most excited about is Doctor Strange, and, and that one it, it's four ninety nine. That that sucks, but uh, if that book is great, I'll um, I'll be okay with it because I want to read that book really really badly. Um, the other ones I want to read because I want to see what they are, and I've really liked the point one books before, so they usually do some cool stuff, and it also gives me like a barometer, like oh maybe I want to pick up this book or that book or this book or that book. But I think what it does is is it creates this thing where it pushes all of the sales and they had this problem for a while we talked about this a lot but it pushes all the sales to the top end of of, of their books the, the, their top 10 15 books and then the rest of the sales are going to drop off i think precipitously because people aren't going to be able to buy mm-hmm. even if contest of champions or, or future imperfect is fantastic its sales numbers are going to be re- really really bad probably after the first month because people aren't going to be able to afford to buy th- that that book because they're buying the three ninety nine, the four ninety nine, the five ninety nine Avengers X Men books, and not be able to move on from there. Even the Doctor. Str- now the thing is, like when you put Doctor Strange at four ninety nine, that single to me that Marvel doesn't really. There's something. I mean, unless it's a big, and I don't. I've been. I'm, I'm sure this first issue is bigger because they're gonna give some sort of reasoning for putting it at four ninety nine. Mm-hmm. But uh, but still, like a book like that is a book you want to push. To, to do well because you want to make that you want to break out that character that's why you relaunch a series with the team you're relaunching it with mm-hmm. with with the press you've been relaunching it with and i think putting it at 4.99 in a week where there's two three 6.99 books 
or five ninety nine books, I think is a, is a big mistake because you're gonna you're gonna pirate your own market at that at that uh, point. This is mm-hmm. a character that has failed. Mm-hmm. Great character, five times, mm. six times between various books and shared books and whatever. Here's the moment: movie coming, big star in this movie, a two ninety nine Doctor Strange number one. Mm might sell three times as many as a book at $2 more just because of that price point, and you're now leaving a whole audience behind who might sample that and every other book you do because you want to gouge people yeah. for two extra bucks. Exactly. It's like when the new Daredevil comes out, like tons of people I know have watched the Netflix mm-hmm. Daredevil show, absolutely loved it, and some people have said to me, oh, you know, how are the Daredevil comics? I was like, well, you know, the recent one's just finished, which is awesome. Check it out, but it's, you know a long-running title, but there's a new one coming. You know, if... We're, it probably will do, that somewhere down the line. It's yeah. a 5 or $6 book. They might look at it and go, nah, you're right. I'm I'm not going to buy that. Mm. Absolutely. And, you know, they lose readers on the back of it. So they, they're basically sort of building up a possible market and then shunning them by making it too expensive for them to buy the books. Mm-hmm. Pennywise, pound foolish, they used to Indeed. say. <laughs> and, and it makes a big disparity, right? Because if, if and DC has kind of raised a lot of their books to three ninety nine. now they've started to slowly kind of creep up to that to that point. Um, but they still have some two ninety nine books, which which I don't think Marvel has any more two ninety nine no. books. Um, but that's a, that's a big price disparity. But most of the time, their two ninety nine books are the smaller title, so they're, they're not really competing with with the big on big. Justice League is three ninety nine, Avengers is three ninety nine. So you know, it's not like yeah. those are competing. But when you look over at at, at, at Image, or Dark Horse, or IDW, or any of the other companies, you have a lot of books that are still two ninety nine mm-hmm. or three fifty. Mm-hmm. And it used to be like, okay, they're a dollar less, but if they start being two, three, four dollars less than, than their books, people are going to naturally move over, and the market's going to fix itself at that point. Yeah. Um, you, you know, that's what I think is going to happen, Steve. What, I know you've been cutting back a lot. Oh yeah, and I have I've been too. I, I I buy three or four books a, a week now mostly. I picked up one book last week. Wow. The week before that, I picked up two. Mm-hmm. The week before that, I picked up three. You know, like you're talking to the guy that every every week I would get you know razzed for you know pictures of of everything. I I did. I bought everything that I was interested in. Now. I've dropped off of things not even halfway through a lot of the battle world stuff, especially my frustrations. I was thinking about this for the past few days. I don't want to get into a whole other topic, but the whole secret wars thing. I mean, talk about screwing up your, your whole timing and your, 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 like I, I'm apprehensive to even get into this new stuff without the idea of the setup being finished. Yeah, where'd you end before we get to the new beginning? And and I've been buying the Secret Wars book, but I only read the first two because I became so disenchanted with the whole thing when the delays started happening. I was like, oh, I'll just wait till it's over and I'll read it right before the reboot happens. And now that's not even going to happen. So I think that a combination between Secret Wars not being finished, Secret Wars being very daunting to read, um, because of who it's coming from. Brilliant book that I've read so far. All of the pieces of it that I have read, I thought were great. Isad Rebic does a mm-hmm. phenomenal job on art, and it's entertaining. And hopefully their ideas are are going to be realized and finished by the time that thing's done. But when? When? But anyway, um, I think it's going to hurt them. I really do. I think it's going to hurt them because if they can't get people like me to go and pick up their books and pony up the money. I've been buying a lot of trades lately because uh, companies like Image and Valiant and even Boom have been coming out with these, you know, 9.99 trades. 
I bought a trade the other day. I got five issues of something plus the first issue of something else plus an uh, like an art section and a whole encyclopedia of like the whole entire lore because there's – I'll talk about this book later, but there's a lot to know like backstory-wise. They give you all the backstory in like a 16-page thing and I just – when I see stuff like that and I'm like, wow, like I can immerse myself in an entire series from creators that I love and I haven't been able to check out this corner of their work yet, or I can go and pick up point one for five ninety nine. I could pick <laughs> up Avengers Zero for five ninety nine. And before I know it, I've got twenty five dollars spent on three Marvel books plus uh Doctor Strange, which I really wanna read. Jason Aaron and as Chris Machalo, mm-hmm. like that's I'm all over it. But you are shutting me out, especially, you know, this is just a coincidence, but the day before Comic-Con, like you are severely digging into my wallet and you're not only you're cutting into my, my budget for comics, but you're cutting into all these other companies as well. Because if I'm not in on the ground floor, once you start this universe, I could be lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and as someone who is supposed to know or have like a general knowledge about this stuff, for for podcasts and for for conversations and and whatever, you're making it very difficult for me to do that, and it's making me not like your yeah. business mm-hmm. plan and the way that you're rolling this out. Yeah, and it frustrates me to no end. Um, I really haven't talked about this on the show, but I'll mention it now. Um, I don't know how people feel about Battleworld and the way that Marvel's been kind of introducing their new thing. I'm hoping that when we get into these new books that some of the aspects that of the Marvel universe that have been going on are either nullified or dropped. Well, yeah, I mean, this is not, this is not the formed universe. This is just, no. I mean, these, this these, is their battle world. And then when it's over, it's all going to change again. These new uh, books are like eight months later. As yeah. Well, so. Yeah. There's a universal thing that's happening within this universe with all this, this doomed God stuff that characters that I love are not behaving anything like themselves. Valeria for one, and it's it's blowing my mind and pissing me off and rubbing me the wrong way that if they keep these sort of religious undertones or overtones. Well, no, there, there's not going to be Emperor God Doom once the, the new world starts. All right, well, thank Doom because <laughs> I, I mean, the, the seeds are already being laid in Secret Wars for yeah. his downfall. All right, because if that's if that were the Spoiler case, alert. that's a way to get me out almost entirely. You got to think about it like, like a flashpoint. Where it was like an alternate, you know, or like Back to the Future, Back to the Future Part Two, when okay. they go back to the, the present day. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they were in '85. Unless you got how you got to think of it. We actually got an email um, from someone about this very point. Oh. Um, this is from David, and he says, "I'm right in the place you mentioned with Marvel and DC Comics and fatigue. Originally, I thought Secret Wars was going to make Marvel continue to be the mainstay of my pull list, but since the announcements and the plummeting of the Canadian dollar, I've had to do severe cuts to my pull for both budgetary and creative causes." I originally had upwards of 40 titles on my pull list, but now I've had to whittle it down to around 17, and they are now 90% image books. The reasoning behind that being that many of them don't run all year, and they're better priced. When I add the fact that I'm supporting the creator directly, it made that much much of an easier choice. It's even gotten to the point where I'm down to four DC titles, and I'm considering dropping at least half of them as well. Don't get me wrong, there are a bunch of titles coming but I, that I'd love to read, but as it stands, I have to be smart with a $50 a month budget in Canada. 
David B. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's a yeah. really r- real world sort of circumstance, right? About about yeah. about someone buying buying their books. Um, mm-hmm. We talk about these 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 books are coming out this week from Marvel, but you know, really, you should just pick up Paper Girls and be and be happy because I'm so stoked. Very <laughs> got Brian K. Vaughn, Cliff Chang. The panel of like the old school like Stand by Me style mm-hmm. 80s stuff with the kid wearing the Freddy sweater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> I mean, when you got there's you know going back on the Brian K. Vaughan thing, you know, keep an eye on like digital only stuff i mean private eye okay that's coming out in print but that series was absolutely brilliant and you know there's that wasn't that um pay as much as you like yes it was yes it was so you know you can pay a dollar per issue for that and you know you know they they're bringing out a a hardcover which is fifty dollars but you could easily pick up that title for next to nothing Mm -hmm. um but you know you can guarantee Tomorrow, NYCC, they'll have, like, Valiant Booth. You'll go to there. Like, last year I picked up um, Quantum of Woody, three trades for $20. Yep. Yeah. You know, you're lucky if you're going to get, like, four Marvel mm. titles tomorrow for... Yep. Yeah. For single you know, today. What was today. the deal with Special Edition? It was... It was five for 25 or something it was like i think Three it was for 20 or something yeah it was yeah. two for 10 definitely and yeah because i got 10. i got i walked away with five and i yeah. gave them like a 20 dollar bill yeah yeah, yeah. Something like that, yeah i mean last yeah last year well um justin was interviewing the head of valiant i can't remember his name now um I, I was wandering around looking at it because I've never read any Valiant stuff and the offers were absolutely amazing, but you can guarantee Marvel won't do anything. No, well, I mean, that's, uh, uh, yeah, like I mean, uh, when, you, when you have a scrappy publisher, that's also to you, somebody who really wants uh, yeah, to get yeah, their, that, their but... foot in the door. Well, kind of it, the, the sports analogy would be the, the big two want you to root for the laundry. Mm. It's Batman, Superman, Avengers, X-Men, so on and so forth, and you should just buy those because you've been buying them before and you keep buying them because we've got you hooked. But if at a certain point people jump off because they decide, I'd rather read image science fiction and horror books, Valiant's own little superhero universe, the the dynamite pulp heroes or whatever's going on over there, or the dark horse Hellboy universe, people may, you know, this is a new readership. Yeah. They may disappear and not ever come back. Mm-hmm. You got to yeah. yeah. balance all what's happening here. And it's been happening for a while. And I think... A week of $6 books mm-hmm. to introduce your universe is just, sorry, stupid. S- Stephanie, how many um, big two books are you buying right now? Not really anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I've mostly gone back to just kind of reading trades mm-hmm. and trying to get caught up because I'm, I'm sick of it. I, I'm like all of the Marvel books that I was reading um, for the event are late, like so late, like Angela's coming out like tomorrow. Yeah, this yeah. week. Number yeah. four. Mm-hmm. Like really, it's been like six months. <laughs> and I mean, Sandman Overture number six. Congratulations, two years later. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm I'm over it. Like, mm. I'll read it when it's collected. Yeah, you know, like I'll read the books that people are putting out there that are worth me checking out week to week what books that people are working hard on to get out on time um and otherwise if you can't be bothered to get your book out on time i can't be bothered to buy it Mm. absolutely absolutely all right 70 you you, we have you haven't been talking too much so we're gonna go to you for your lightning round (gasps) okay how do you feel how do you feel about that 
I feel pretty good. I feel pretty, um, good. I feel pretty good. All right. I, I'm like, I think I know what I'm going to talk about. All right. So you have three minutes <laughs> to figure that out and go. All right. So I read Wonder Woman volume seven and surprisingly didn't hate it. Um, I feel like that's a shock. Uh, the Finches started out pretty weak, but I think that they started to really find their footing towards the end. And uh, they have been putting in messages that um, made me realize, not realize, but were why I love Wonder Woman. And I <laughs> like that they were getting back to that. Okay. Sorry, go I don't ahead. Know, there, he wasn't laughing at you. No, <laughs> no, 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 um, not at you. I finally got around to reading Pretty Deadly, Volume 1 oh, as well. And nice. like, holy balls, is that book ever good? Yes. Um, I love the prose and the poetry and all that that's mixed together. And then Emma Rios's art is just like a show stealer for me. Um, I mean, Kelly Sudeconic is obviously somebody that you read, you follow, and uh, you follow her work. But Emma Rios honestly just killed it. And Jordi Beller's colors on it were just like, bah! So good. If you haven't read Pretty Deadly yet, I highly recommend it. And they just announced, I think, that it's coming back soon, maybe, mm-hmm. possibly. I could be imagining. Um, World War, World War we'll One comes uh, November, I think. Go mm-hmm. ahead. Keep going. Uh, and then Deadly Class Volume 1. Um, yes. I read the first few issues when this was coming out, and then I fell off of it. Um, but reading it all in trade was such a treat. Um, the art is great. The story is great. And everyone is talking about this book for, you know, good reason. It's fantastic. I loved it. Um, And Five Ghosts. Finally read that, too. Um, I I don't think we've ever really talked about it that much. I mentioned it, like, a while back. But um, it's excellent. Um, Basically, uh, Five Ghosts are, like, in this dude's body, and he can harness their powers of, like, Dracula, Sherlock Holmes, and... um, Houdini and stuff, and he can use their powers uh, to fight evil. It's really good. Uh, thought it was awesome. Definitely going to check out volume two of all of these things that I've talked about. Um, and Bob, very quickly, Sunstone, volume one. I yes. didn't get to be on Mythfits when we yes. did book club, but I just wanted to say that I really enjoyed this book, and um, I'm looking forward to checking out the other three volumes that I have on my iPad. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, the, the fourth print edition isn't due till November, but the three are out. You're just going to love it. It's a lovely arc through the three. November? I saw January on Mm -hmm. Amazon. Well, Amazon's always late on those sort of things. Check through previews. Stefan was saying on Twitter earlier on that they they basically, Amazon sort of scatter shot with their their guesstimate with their um, release dates for stuff. So. All right. By the way, Steph, we, we were we were chuckling only because as you were discussing the Finch's Wonder Woman, I was pouring myself another scotch. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I've tried, and I think Meredith Finch's writing is getting better. There's I just, just no question, but I that art it makes my eyes bleed. Yeah, I mean, I don't love it, but like I think the bar was set so low for me. There you go. That Absolutely. Not okay. Hating it, uh, it is a positive. So, yeah. Yeah, like I. I don't, and I kind of really didn't like a lot of the stuff that Wonder Woman was doing um, with Brian Azzarello's book. So I liked that she was more kind of the character that I am familiar with as mm-hmm. opposed to um, what Azzarello had built up for her. Oh, agreed. So, like, 
for me, um, having left the book for quite some time and then coming back to it to see Wonder Woman um, sort of more um, in her element was a pleasant surprise for me. Yeah. Once we got past vegetative injustice in that first issue of the first run, if we could, I think, maybe meld this now evolving Meredith Finch with Cliff Chang's art, we might have something. Yeah. There were, there were a few things. I mean, obviously, I, I think her writing got better. Um, I don't think that the book is entirely strong, but I think that it was worth talking about because of how much she improved yes. in one arc. Like, it wasn't like it took her two to three arcs with the character. Um, she really kind of came into, um, you know, writing the character uh, in a short period of time, which I think is really commendable. Uh, so, yeah. I'll try some more. <laughs> Mara even vouches for it. So, you know, like, I mean. <gasps> mm-hmm. But she dropped it. She did, but she may have come back. <laughs> All right. She was the one that recommended this to me. Oh, okay. Oh. And so, Mara recommended the recommendations. Yeah, she was good. the one that like vouched for this, which is why I read it. She's slipping. <laughs> <laughs> she got too much manga on the brain. All right, Steve. <laughs> you've, got, you've got three minutes on the clock and go. All right, so I finally, excuse me, I checked out from Valiant. Uh, Bloodshot Reborn, Volume 1, Colorado, from Jeff Lemire and Amiko Suyan. Wow. Uh, did you read this? Mm-hmm. This was awesome. Yeah. This was really awesome. Uh, I'd never read anything Bloodshot before. If the run continues to be, I have, I've only read the trade. I haven't read the issues past this. But this was phenomenal. Um, Bloodshot has had all the, the nanites and everything taken out of his body. And he's being haunted by uh, Kay, who is the geomancer from the the Valiant universe. And just, it's a really, really interesting uh, journey of a hero or an anti-hero or a villain or whatever, whatever Bloodshot is supposed to be, not wanting to be that anymore, but not really seeing a choice. And basically going around and collecting his old life while trying to piece together who he was and being afraid to find out who he was. Because if he knows about the man... And he knows what he lost. It'll devastate him. It's a whole thing. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, it's Jeff Lemire doing superhero stuff. It's some some of his best, I think. Um, I loved it. I can't wait for the second trade to come out. Uh, I also got to check out Gener- uh, Ninth Generation, Volume 1, from Matt Hawkins and Stepan Sejish. This series is so absolutely gorgeous and so incredibly dense. Really quick, it's about... Uh, nine different deities or, or gods or facsimiles of gods that are synthetics and the world is in the far 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 future and this woman has essentially created nine children in the in the visage of gods and has sanctioned them to different parts of this world to govern it and there's you know there's an agreement upon them and then of course over time they get bored they become corrupt and Aphrodite who's a character from other series is in charge of kind of wrangling them all together and harnessing them and broaching like a piece between them. And it does not go well for her or anyone else involved. Um, It's like I said, super dense. There's a lot to know outside of the volume one, but they do a really great job of giving you all the background in the back of the book. And even without knowing the characters or knowing the lore, I was able to follow it really well. And it was really engaging and watching Stapon do 
that whole techno future stuff as opposed to the Sunstone stuff and watching him do almost like Matrix style characters and beasts and stuff. Really, really super impressive. Uh, I got to check out the final issues of Runaways from uh, Noel Stevenson and Sanford Green. And I was pleasantly surprised that it's not the Runaways that I know, but it kind of does its own thing and it was pleasant. I don't think it was the greatest representation of the idea of the runaways but if it were to continue uh i would definitely read it mm-hmm. and the last thing i wanted to mention you mentioned you were on the fence with we are robin it's fucking great <laughs> <laughs> awesome no way to do that <laughs> issue number four was outrageous seconded cool. yeah you read it yeah man oh it's so good bob you especially i poured through it in the story yes i was I'm, very impressed it's I, wonderful the I'm, art for it is is bananas very interested to see what the whole Robin War thing turns out to be. Yeah. Because We Are Robin so far has been really cool. So, yeah, I, yeah, I squeed at that page. <laughs> it's, I, I caught up, I read issues three and four, and was just like, I was on the fence, and I read them, and I was like, wow, okay, mm-hmm. I'm in. So that's my lightning round. Awesome. Kachoom, kachow. Shazam. Hugh, do you have a lightning round? We didn't even talk about this. I, I can. I didn't read much this week, but okay. I'm probably... Out of your bum. <laughs> It'll be about, like, two, three minutes of me speaking of two books. Okay, that's cool. fine. I can do that. All right, here you go. Um, you got three minutes, you and... I've made notes. Go. Um. So, my... Microphone. All right, give me a chance. There's 30 <laughs> seconds gone. Yeah. God damn it. How am I supposed to emulate Bob with you jerking me around a little bit? <laughs> um, so, my first book that I read was Captain America White Issue 2, um, which I know Bob hasn't. So jealous. God, come on, Bob. Um, so yeah, it's you know it's a really cool exploration of um, Bucky and Cap's like relationship as they you know as they're getting going as as friends. Um, you know, Cap and Bucky like they just don't give up on each other. Um, Tim Sale's art is just absolutely gorgeous. Um, like the facial expressions that he gives Cap are just absolutely brilliant. Like he just he just always seems. He gives him just this presence that is just amazing. And there's times when I like look at his face and it's almost as if he's kind of taken inspiration from Christopher Reeve as Superman. Wow. Um, and uh, Dave Stewart's colors are just absolutely gorgeous. Um, Fury and Cap just, you know, ribbing each other is just, you know, hilarious. <laughs> um, they get... Oh. <laughs> Spoilers. Imperious um, Rex. <laughs> we'll leave it at and, that. And um, a cool, unexpected guest appearance by <laughs> which Bobby just ruined for uh, Bob. Um, and also, um, I read on a plane on the way here, which I'm just incredibly excited about, um, Attack on Titan Chapter 73. Um, we're actually finally getting to the point where we are going to find out what is in Eren's basement. Um, finally. Finally, you know, you're 73 chapters in. <laughs> you probably find that even in the second season of this show that you're not going to find out what it is. It'll be like season three or four. Um, and, you know, the the book has just got a completely different tone about it now. It's kind of about a rebellion and type things, you know, people fighting against the authorities. Um, and it almost seems as if the humans are going to start turning the tide against the humans. Hmm. Depending on Aaron's new abilities as a titan. I feel like it's too normal of a name. 
What? Aaron. Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it is based in like an alternative Germany. So, right, right, right. I know. You know He's not going to be like Hidoke or something. Like I know, that. but it's just everything I know about the show, or that's all I know is I don't know anything about the the actual manga. I just mm. know I've seen a couple episodes of the show. Yeah, um, like the look and design, everything. It doesn't feel like mm-hmm. there should be a name as normal. As no, that. <laughs> I agree, but you know, it's it the the manga is just it'll be interesting to see how how the man the anime goes compared to the to the manga because where they are right now, I like I've. I think um, the creator said there's like another maybe um, 400 chapters. Yeah. No, <laughs> th- thankfully it's not that much. It's not going to turn into another One Piece or Bleach. Um, I think he said there's maybe another um, like 40 to 50 chapters to go. Um, and like I said, rec- in this, um, maybe sort of like the the second like half of what I've been reading, like I said, the tone of the book has changed from sort of like um, it basically being like a war against the Titans to it being um, a group of people um, sort of rebelling against the people who rule over them, realising that like a lot of what has happened they're at fault for and um, them fighting back against them and them finding out that maybe whatever hides in Aaron's basement is the key to eventually, you know, coming good against the Titans and winning. That's and, a good twist. You know, reclaiming yeah. the world. So yeah, it's it's the the tone and like the feel of the book is just completely different to what it was now. How long um, is a chapter? Um, I would hazard a, probably about the same size as about a standard issue of, um, you know, a, a Western comic. Okay. Okay. So four or five years out mm-hmm. is where he's got his, his long-term plan. That's not yeah. bad. That's reasonable. Yeah. I mean, you know, to, he said he's got the, the basic story planned out, mapped out where it's going. Um, and you know, it's, it's really strong. Like the, the revelations that you find out, like in the second half of the comic, they all kind of echo the fact that, you know, you've got um, the main character in the book, if you want to call him that, Aaron, um, is a titan himself, but there may also be other people, you know, hiding in amongst them, the titans. And they may be rather, you know, you know, prevalent titans that, you know, have a big impact, and you may have already seen them. All right. So, yeah. It's okay. good stuff. So is this a good jumping on point? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would say you could probably... The, the one good thing about manga is that because of the the chapter structure of it, um, you can you can blitz through it. Like, I read um, all of the Attack on Titan manga in maybe about 10 days. Wow. So, you know, it's it's... A fast read. You can, you know, the way it's laid out, the way it's structured. Um, I mean, the tricky part is, and I, um, like Steve mentioned to me earlier on, is that the format of manga, the way you read from right to left as opposed mm-hmm. to left to right, um, you need to sort of train your eye to go where it needs to go. But once you figure that out, and you know, it, you you breeze through it because it's not, it's not a particularly dialogue heavy book. Um, there are the odd occasions like I think in the second half since you 
since the sort of tone has changed, the, there is a period where it gets quite political. Then it's a bit dialogue heavy, but then f- from you know that's probably the only section of Attack on Titan where it like it's a bit. It's not hard reading, but you know it it kind of slows mm-hmm. you down a bit. But you could easily go through it in like I said in a week to ten days if you wow. put your mind to it. All right, so. all right, cool. Thank you, Hugh. You're welcome. All right, my lightning round time. I also did not read a ton because I read some longer stuff this week, but uh, I will I will soldier on through this. All right. So uh, first thing I want to talk about is uh, Justice League number 44, Jeff Johns, Jason Fabook, uh, continues the Dark Side War, and this is probably my favorite chapter of the of the. The, the series so far uh, really great stuff with Batman in the Mobius chair um, some origins of the anti-monitor uh, some really great battle scenes just a lot of really great bombastic stuff really continuing to keep up their their sort of promise that you know Justice League every issue of Justice League will be an event unto itself and, and that has definitely been kept up in, in, in these issues really great job and that book continues to be great um I also read uh, from Under Mountains from from Image, which was uh, was a potential book of the week for us last yeah. week when we, when we were picking. Um, and uh, I just wanted to say, like, it's actually I think it's part of that. Actually, I know it's part of that eight eight house. Yeah, that's part of that universe. Mm-hmm. This book, um, and the art is absolutely gorgeous. I, I will say that right off the bat. Uh, both the, the both the line art and the colors are absolutely striking especially the colors the colors are, are just rich and they have all this varied palette and, and it's beautiful um i felt like the story was a little bit thin uh and i didn't really have a good grasp on exactly what um where the story was going that universe uh, is so confusing <laughs> um, I, re- I read that book too you did mm-hmm. yeah my feelings about the same on you the 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 art is stunning especially the most sort of like ethereal supernatural type stuff mm. is brilliant but like it gets to the end of the issue and you're like mm, okay is that it yeah exactly so i'll definitely check out issue two i enjoyed it for what it was but i think it needed a bit more substance absolutely and i would say um it's the art and colors salon salon leong uh story and script by claire gibson cover and story by marion churchland and letters by ariana mayer uh Really beautiful, beautiful, beautifully designed book. Interesting story, but just I feel like the story is a little bit thin for for a first issue for me. Um, Another thing I want to talk about is it's not even um, a comic, but it's uh, the audio book version of Lock and Key came out this week. Oh, cool! Um, It's free, by the way, for anybody who wants to to download it. It's the full unabridged Lock and Key. It's about thirteen or fourteen hours long. Um, The whole thing. It's a whole thing. Wow! Uh, And it's a huge cast. I mean, Tatiana Maslany is. Is is in it? Um, shoot, my, my brain just went absolutely blank about the other people in it. But very big kind of all star cast. Um, I, I'm about through like the first two issues of the series, you know, and not, not even the first trade yet. Um, but it's really cool. They do a great job of sound design and and giving you the visual sort of through the sound design. Um, they did a great job. Whoever's voicing Bodhi mm-hmm. is doing a fantastic job because he's very much the center of this early yeah. stuff. Um, and just great. Really, really, really great. Uh, I recommend it to anybody. You can get it. It's on Audible, which is kind of Amazon's um, mm-hmm. audiobook service. And free? And free. Absolutely free. It's oh, free wow. as long as you buy it before, or as long as you download it before, I don't know if it's Halloween or it's like early November. It's sometime in that time period. It's free. After that, it's going to be you're going to it's going to be charged. But uh, right now, it's totally free to download. Fourteen hours of free content and of if, something so great. If Tatiana Maslany's in it, then I'm game. 
Can someone tell me who Tatiana Baslani is? She is the main person, persons, in the incredible show that is Orphan Black. Oh, okay. Yes. Did she win the Emmy? Or she was nominated. nominated. She wasn't snubbed. Yeah, she was nominated, though. Mm. But, yeah, Orphan Black. Have you seen season three, Steph? Yes. Of course I have. That's like one of the shows... I uh, love that show. A lot of the time I'll wait, I'll collect episodes like I do with comics, but... and. Orphan Black's like one of the shows I need to watch weekly. Like, I needs me my Orphan Black. Season three was so yeah. good. So I, good. I, I was at Fan other. Expo when I was Sorry at um, the raid party, the raid studio party. I was like talking to uh, my friend and I was like rambling about how I had a mouse infestation. And I was like, <laughs> la, 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 la. couldn't my life be ridiculous? He's like, you could have snakes. I'm like, nope, that happened already. Um, and I looked beside me and it was Donnie. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I was like, oh, look, Donnie's. I'm rambling really, really loudly, like right beside Donnie. Cool. <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> um, so it's Haley Joel Osment, Tatiana Maslany, Kate Mulgrew, and then there's a full, but every, every single Wait, character. Kate Mulgrew as our main. Captain Jamie. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I know Captain Jamie, but <laughs> our main baddie. No, no, I don't no, want no. to say too much. No, no, here I think Tatiana Kate... Maslany is, 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 is voicing okay. the baddie. Uh, but. Uh, that's what I think. Anyway, I can't. I don't recognize all their voices because they're doing voices in, in the in the in the thing. But uh, really great, and every single character it seems like it's it's voiced by a different person. So there's no person doing like eighteen voices right here. You mean like like we do? Cool. I got yeah, like yeah. us. <laughs> I've, um, I've recently listened to the graphic audio um, version of uh, Ms. Marvel Volume One, mm-hmm. and I highly recommend that as well. Oh, really? Really cool. cool. Yeah, really good production. Um, you have to pay for it, but it's worth it. I mean, if you, you know, not want to read the book or whatever, then you know, listen to that, and it's you know, it puts the story across really well, and the production is really cool. It's nice. really fun. Uh, for awesome. just a second, I thought you were going to say nice things about our fantastic four radio theater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that doesn't need to be said. It's a given. Okay, thank you. We appreciate that. Uh, all right, Stephanie, your book Hi. of the week. Wait a minute. My book of the oh, week. Oh, did you not do the lightning round yet? No. Oh, sure. Sorry well, about that. That's okay. I, I don't came mind. three and a half thousand miles and you're trying to deprive me of <laughs> Bob's lightning I, I don't want to like gloat here, but I'm just, Bob, I don't mean this in a mean no, way to ahead. you, but I'm happy that he forgot you for yeah, once yeah. and not yeah. me. It's, it's I see It's because we have a fifth person. It's like I did four people. <laughs> yeah, we did oh, four so it's and it's my time to go. Yeah, it's your fault. Yeah. And my brain automatically like switches. I'll accept that. Okay. All right, good. I'm glad that I got to pass the blame off to somebody else. All right, Bob, you have three minutes and go. Well, starting with Wonder Woman 77, number two, the special edition, we're treated to three first appearances by classic DC comic characters in the TV Wonder Woman universe. We get the post-crisis Cheetah, the Atomic Knights from the old Strange Adventures in the 60s, and Solomon Grundy, no less. Uh, The Cheetah story does reference our original Cheetah, and we get Diana's ability to talk to animals, which is kind of cool. Atomic Knights, you know, the throwaway story, nuclear power plant, you know, Three Mile Island, whatever. Uh... Third story, uh, a lovely parable about abuse and using Grundy as someone's protector, which is just really, really nice. All stories by Mark Andreco, lovely art uh, by Cat Staggs, among others, great cover by Nicholas Scott. I caught up to Fantastic Four season one because I'm having a Jones for FF reading. Uh, so it's Roberto Aguirre Sacasa who did uh, the Marvel Knights book that was so great, David Marquez. And we revisit the first year of the Fantastic Four, their origin, early encounters with Submariner, the Mole Man. And what he does here, what is so special, 
the depth of 50 years worth of characterization gets fed back into these early years. And he was so great on four at giving you the, the sort of down low version of the regular characters, the human beings. And this is great. And the art is wonderful. I'm going to pass it along to Steve. I admired what he did on four. And this is something I passed on because it was kind of like 25 bucks, but I got a nice little sale and really good to go. So Fantastic Four season one. Uh, I caught up with uh, Catch Up Week, as with a lot of people, Empowered Volume 9, which finds our favorite associate superheroines, Alyssa Megan Powers, called before the Joint Super Team Investigative Committee to justify her actions in a whole bunch of other crises where they think she's done not so well. That causes her to doubt herself, which she does ordinarily. And here it's just even worse. I mean, every fear she's ever had now here... I can't spoil anything here. There's some laugh-out-loud moments, tons and tons of heart as she finds her way battling through dozens of supervillains who think she has the key to alien technology and going to other worlds and the Vorpal Sword and, and whatever. She She's a damsel in distress but always finds a way to to rescue herself. And... In a book that started, as this did, as a bunch of fetishy commissions to have such heart and, and soul here, for those people looking for Ninjet and Thugboy, they're not here, and they complain about that, and we'll see them in the next volume. But Empowered Volume 9, if you dropped away because it was such a delay, Adam Warren just delivers the goods in Empowered Volume 9. That's it for me. That's a good one, Bob. You're 10 seconds left. Yes. Rocking <laughs> as always. <laughs> I can't look at the mole man without hearing Stephanie's voice. Oh, I agree. I agree. <laughs> That's how he will forever sound in my head. <laughs> we may As it do... should be. Yeah. What if we did FF4 and Steph was the Submariner? I don't think that would not be as good as the mole man. Come on, Steph, give us an Imperious Rex in your best sort of regal voice. Um, okay. I don't know what to say, though. Imperious Rex. That's all you have to say. That's what the Submariner would say. That's all he has for us. Oh, let's see. No pressure. (laughs) I know. Now I'm like, how would I do this? How would be regal? How is regal sound? (laughs) Like Queen Elizabeth II, you know, rocking up on the balcony. We we are not amused. (laughs) Imperious rocks. Yes, there you go. We're going to do this. I'll work on it. That sounds like it should be like a, a character selection sound on a on a fighting game. Imperious <laughs> Rex. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I'm a... going to just do my own voiceover for like um, Street Fighter. Stephanie Cook, the fighting game. Round yeah. one, the yes. hello carrier. <laughs> yeah. Bobby's like, God, no. No, me. please. Fight, um, eh? But I'm going to tell you, Stephanie, now you get to talk more because now you really do get to do your... Um, book of the week because now there's no one left to do their lightning round. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my book of the week is actually a book. Um, so I got a chance to read an advanced copy of Margaret Stahl's Black Widow Forever Red. Cool. Um, so Mix. it's not out until next week, <laughs> but I want to preemptively kind of let you guys know about it in case you didn't know that it was on its way. Um, so basically, um. Uh, over the last few years, Marvel and DC have been putting out a series of YA books. Uh, they did the She-Hulk Diaries, which was a lot of fun, the and Rogue Touch, which I thought was a hunk of poop. Um, <laughs> and they all, and DC did uh, Lois Lane Fallout. Um, I two of those three I loved. I thought they were great, and they were just a really 
fun and whimsical way to, um, you know, have a story with these characters that was just solely focused on these characters. Um, I really enjoyed the background. I really enjoyed, you know, um, feeling like I was getting to know uh, more about these people. Like Lois Lane is more like, like her in high school. Um, whereas She-Hulk Diaries was very current to what was currently going on um, in the Marvel Universe when it came out. Um, so Black Widow Forever Red is, um, again, by Margaret Stahl. It is a story about Natasha and, um, you know, kind of like her, her a little bit about her. You get a bit of how she became to be the Black Widow um, mixed with a story that um, is you know, in the new sort of Marvel U. Although it's not in, I don't think it's in um, continuity, but it kind of feels like it is a bit, but more like in the movie version. Um, she is, uh, her version of it feels very Scarlett Johansson um, and very kind of like what that character would say in the movies as opposed to how you might read her in the comics. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, there just felt like a little bit of a difference to me, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, so again, the story is focused, uh, it's a Black Widow story, but it's a YA book. So what kind of happens here is, um, Black Widow, her life becomes intertwined with this young girl named Ava. Um, after, you know, she, she finds this girl and saves her from a really horrific life. And, um, they become intertwined in the sense that this girl now uh, considers Black Widow her hero and in another very um, interesting way that's central to the plot and, you know, how it kind of carries out. Um, and I don't want to tell you that part. <laughs> hmm. um, and from there, there's another person that is intertwined with Ava and subsequently becomes intertwined with Black Widow and they all be kind of wind up... Um, trying to solve this mission, um, this crazy spy mission together. Uh, but Black Widow works alone. She doesn't really like people. She doesn't really like feelings. And she doesn't like kids at all. And now she's got two of them that she needs to watch out for and two of them that are, like, making goo-goo eyes at each other. Um, so she's just like, I don't know what to do with these people. Me no no. Um... <laughs> And yeah, all the while she says she's this is Jar Jar Banks. To... Yeah, <laughs> she's Jar Jar. Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> um, so she's got to, you know, use her crazy spy mojo to keep these kids safe, and also figure out what's going on, um, and not go crazy because she's being a glorified babysitter. Um, but yeah, so. The book is really, really good. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, again, they're kind of trying to um, young it up with Ava, the character of Ava. And uh, she's a teenager, so they're giving you a lot of her perspective and the perspective of um, the other character in this book, Alex. And then they switch over to Natasha every now and again. So my only real issue with this book was that, for me, I wanted there to be more um, Natasha point of view. Uh, and... It's honestly a bit more of a story focused on this Ava character with a side of Black Widow. 
Um, but I thought that it was still a lot of fun and it was something that gave me, um, a lot more, uh, of a look at the character outside of the Black Widow comic and, um, in the movies where you don't really get much of a look at her at all. Uh, so yeah, I was secretly like, this is like me being really girly. I was like hoping for like the She-Hulk diaries in which there was just a really like smutty romance. I talked about this on Misfits and no one judged me, but you guys are judging me, but that's okay. No, we're no, not. not judging you. I did you for so many other things, Stephanie. I, I want shut up. <laughs> what? What's happening? Nothing, Anyways, nothing. I, I wanted it to be more like, I wanted her to kind of be a little bit more in touch with her human side. And I kind of want it hmm. more of that experience, not necessarily like a smutty romance, but I, I want it like something fun and frivolous. Um, and this is still very YA. Like it was still something that fits into my box of, oh my God, I've just finished this 15,000 page George R. R. Martin book. I need something fun to read. Um, but I kind of wanted it to be more, yeah, like She-Hulk Diaries. Marta Acosta, you did a good job with that. That was fun. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, Black Widow Forever Red. It's coming out next Tuesday, I want to say. I'm going to quickly type blah, 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 Black Widow Forever Red. I'm sorry, everyone. Blah, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> um, oh, whoa, those aren't words at all. I did not type anything helpful. <laughs> sorry, everyone. I'm not surprised if you... You know, typed what you said. Yeah. <laughs> that you're not going to get a good search. As soon as out bone. next week. So it's on the 13th that it gets okay. released. Um, but yeah, Margaret Stoll, again, she's the writer of it. It's currently on um, Amazon. You can get it for a whopping $9.40. That's a good price. Um, she is one of the people that it looks like she may have co written. The Beautiful Creatures books, which I actually didn't know before I read this, so I don't know how I feel about that now. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was good. If I remember right, that was announced last year at New York Comic Con. Yes, it was. It was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We were there. We were there yeah. at that panel. I wasn't there. You guys, oh, me and Bob, we were there. Were there. We were there. She was tweeting like me. I was working. I was. Uh, now, <laughs> now Ms. Stahl, if I remember correctly, just wrote that Red Widow mini story at the back of the Mockingbird oh, Shield okay. one shot, yeah. mm -hmm. which I think is probably this Ava character. Mm. The Red Widow. Yeah. I, Be yes. interesting to see if she shows up in uh, yeah. Mr. Wade's book. I think there's she, a possibility. Yes. Uh, yeah, she she is <laughs> that character, and um, which you will read more about if you read this book awesome mm. it seems like young sidekicks might be the order of the day in marvel new books with uh daredevil possibly having what looks like a young stick at his side <laughs> wow that's so, so, <laughs> so to speak <laughs> <laughs> yes Jeez. check please daredevil in his young stick <laughs> Mm. Oh, okay. Uh, Steve. Yeah, how do we recover from that? Yeah, you don't. Yeah, no, you don't. All right. I'll get this train back you on track. Steve. That'll be the first time that's ever happened. <laughs> I see how it is. I could just not. Tell me about Invisible Republic. Invisible Republic is really good. Mm -hmm. It's a image book. Uh, this is volume one. And uh, it is from Gabriel Hardman, Karina uh, Becco, and Jordan Boyd. And uh, what do we got here? Art is uh, Gabriel Hardman, written by Gabriel Hardman and Karina Becco, and colors by Jordan Boyd, designed by Dylan Todd. So, the deal is this. 
We are in the future. This is another post-apocalyptic uh, image book. But say what has a little bit of a twist on it in that if I could kind of uh, make a comparison to something, it struck me as having like smatterings of the children of men mm-hmm. meets investigative journalism. Mm-hmm. It has a little V for Vendetta. They, yeah. Yeah. And they describe it as Blade Runner meets Breaking Bad. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, okay. I, I get Robot that. drug dealers. So here's wow. the, here's the deal. There's these two people, uh Arthur McBride and uh this woman named Maya, and they're basically scavenging and, and just trying to survive in this in this world. They're they're penniless, they're hungry, they're doing their thing. And they're approached by soldiers, and uh, one thing leads to another, and just there, there's an altercation, and things do not go well. And uh, essentially what happens with that is it sparks a sort of revolution, and this Arthur McBride character becomes a much more prominent figure in an uprising against this kind of fallen government that's falling even farther and and not taking care of its people. And he becomes the face of this revolution. Only you come to find out that this woman, Maya, who is his traveling partner and friend, has kind of been omitted from the records and from his history and his rise to power and all the stories that are told. Uh, you come to find out that she knows him better than anybody else does, and she has her own version of the story. And uh, one day, this uh, investigative journalist is kind of walking the streets trying to find out some information about the, uh, you know, the hunger wars going on, and he comes across a guy who's, you know, cooking up some rat burgers or whatever, and Ooh. he's using papers, kindling, and, and papers kind of a thing of, of the past. And, you know, like, where'd you get those? And, you know, oh, go find your own. And, blah, blah, blah. and so Like he, Waterworld. Yeah. So he <laughs> throws a bunch of money on the ground, and he, he just he picks up this giant heaving thing, which is more or less a manuscript, and it's uh, a diary of sorts written from Maya's perspective of all of the th- all her life and her life traveling with Arthur McBride oh. and kind of the years that she was with him, the, w- the years that she was away from him and hearing things about him, um, essentially revealing him to not be the man that everybody has made him out to be throughout the course of this, what I assume to be just a relatively short mm-hmm. history, a couple, you know, a couple of years or, or, you know, 10, 20 years or whatever. Um, the, the reason why it's my favorite book of the week is it's really, really just you talk about world building, and I mean character building too, but the the art is just is so it's super gritty and super like the world they live in is ugly and it's dirty and it's downtrodden and there's just it's a place that reeks of no hope. Like when you when you see these kind of future worlds and you get these characters where you meet them and they're like, yeah, by the end of the story, they're going to turn it around and this place is going to be green again. And No, they're not. I'm looking at this. Right? No, not. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is like, you know, regardless of what you do, how much better of a world could you possibly make out of this, out of what's left? And um, I just, I found, my, I found myself really, uh, really tied to the characters. The, the journalist character reminds me of kind of a... Not on drugs, Hunter S. Thompson, and he he looks like him in a way of that he's got he's got the hair, he's got the the glasses, and kind of uh, just the way that he's drawn his posture is a little bit mm-hmm. off kilter, and he's very nosy, and he's really good at his job, 
and he's a kind of cynical too. Yeah, and he's like yep. he's even a little famous. Like he was responsible for something that he wrote that somebody turned into a movie. And the movie was extraordinarily popular. So everybody that he meets or bumps into is like, hey, man, I saw your movie. And he's like, it wasn't my movie. You know, like I wrote the book, but I didn't I wasn't responsible for that. But his his tenacity for the truth is really what got me attached to him. And um, I find the Maya character to be extraordinarily uh, interesting. It's funny that the book, as much as it is about Arthur McBride and his rise to power, it's much more about Maya and her life and kind of the way that this one event changed the both of them, but kind of forged like divergent paths for the both of them. And uh, I love the idea of somebody taking someone down a peg who maybe doesn't deserve it. And you like you learn about some of his ideals and some of the things that he sees for the future. And they're just wrong. Like, But you're still being held up because the people have nothing. They have no one mm-hmm. to look to. You know, when you're you're eating rat burgers in the streets, <laughs> rough <know>. life, right? <laughs> right. That's New York Comic Con. I mean, this is this yeah, is like yeah. some underground demolition man shit that we got going on here, and um, it's just it's it's one of those books. I, I've said it on the podcast before about other stories and stuff like that. But when you open the book, and you can you can smell the world, and you can feel it, and you can like everywhere you go, it's like there's a pressure. Or there's like not noxious gases, but like when you're walking around in New York City and you see that that hot, nasty subway steam coming up from the that's everywhere. Right. And it's choking everything. And everybody's wearing like tattered, bloody rags for clothes. Um, All the systems that they have in place for for integrating people into the different cities is all wrong. You have to go to like 17, 24 different people just to get admittance into a city. And the American healthcare system, Sorry. right? Sorry, I'm being political. <laughs> so it's just for all of the for all of like the broken worlds that I've seen in these post-apocalyptic books, this one manages to to do it again, but to set it up so much so that it it feels real, like you feel like you're there's you're, weight to every action that everyone takes, right? And there's all kinds of like there's this revolution in the streets and, and there, there's uprisings and there's even this cool little side story where Maya disappears for a couple of months and she winds up working uh, for these people that, you know, she had an interaction with and they kind of take her under the wing. And the way that I'll just say it, she she works with like bees, mm-hmm. the, the, the beekeeper stuff, the way that they relate the bees and the colonies and the way that bees work together uh, to the people and to society and how society needs to remain a colony. They need to work together to make a product, to make a better tomorrow and stuff like that. All of that metaphor is really, really well written and really good. Um, and there's also creatures, which I Well, there you go. Creatures. We like creatures. <laughs> Some pretty nasty prawns in those waters. <gasps> and we all know bees are vital to any ecosystem. It's true. They are. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, um, super, super good. It's a uh, nine ninety nine trade oh, from Image. Yeah, again, mm. you know the the day that I walked in, I bought two books and I walked away with this, and now I'm now you got me for volume two. Mm. You know, like which so raise all up to twelve ninety nine. Yes. That's okay. Yeah, though. yeah, right. Yeah, but that's still a good price, though. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great price. You know what? Mm-hmm. You didn't charge me fourteen or seventeen ninety nine or even nineteen ninety nine yeah. the first time. You got me in with the nine ninety nine. You're gonna up it by three dollars, but it was really good. Yeah. 
I gladly. And it, it also it. came out the week after the sixth issue came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Image and, is yeah. very good at making sure, okay, you trade weighted. Here's the uh, trade. And it's straight into soft cover, affordable price. Mm-hmm. You don't have yeah. to wait months after. It's like Descender came out last week as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I talked about that last week, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if anything if anything like this is your bag, I highly, highly recommend I even told my boss to read it, and I don't suggest things to him lightly. And I was like, dude, you you got to check this out. Cool. Awesome. Amen. Yeah. Bees. You, you, it's bees. You talked about both your books, right? Um, I, I have one that I saved. For you do? Aha! Okay. I, you buried the lead. Strategy. Yes. Strategy. <laughs> what, what's your book of the week, my Let friend? Let me bring up my notes a second. Okay, my book of the week is Batman Annual. Oh, oh I didn't read that. Four, That's the one thing I, I picked up. <laughs> for some reason, I wrote Batman Annual number one here, which is completely wrong. It's number four. Um, yeah, I know. Three to set, At so. least it's number four. Yeah. Exactly. I've seen more than four Batman <laughs> Annuals, okay? Batman Annual 435. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, tell us, you. Um, yeah, so, I mean... I'm kind of a fan of, like, one, one thing I really do like about what's going on with um, Batman at the moment is, like, I like it when things get subverted and characters act maybe, you know, the opposite of what they're mm-hmm. meant to or what, you know, they they have no knowledge of how they were in the past. Um, so, basically, Batman Annual number four um, slash number one is... Um, Basically, um, Bruce and his new possible lady love, Julie, um, who Alfred seems very happy about, is like, you get together with this woman right now, love. (laughs) She's a nice, lovely lady. (laughs) Um, um, Yeah, so, you know, like, Bruce just seems like a completely different person. He, you know, he's cracking jokes, he's, you know... um, he he looks at Wayne Manor and he he doesn't identify with that as being his home. It's not his home anymore. Whereas Alfred, um, Alfred seems happy that he doesn't identify with that, and has somebody who, you know, may well be, you know, his significant other, mm-hmm. his girlfriend, possibly. She you completes know. him. He even you know he even you know m- makes joking mention to the fact that maybe some point they might get married. Um, no, they d- he does. I kid you not. Da, da, da. I bet you it's going to end horribly. <laughs> That's exactly. my prediction. Of course it is. It's like, Spoiler: it's, She dies. It's, yeah, it's like in in like in like in the old in the old war movies when the guy's like off in his plane in World War Two. He's like, I'll see you soon, my dear. Yeah. I love you. Boom. I think less likely that she dies, more likely that. That version of Bruce Wayne does. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. "Who the hell are you?" Yeah. Um, which, which, you know, again, that will be subverting. It will be mm. quite sad, you know, drama and you know, sadness. You don't know the real me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Christian. <laughs> Funny enough, me and Rob watched the second half of Dark Knight Rises the other day, and we just basically picked it apart. And I know Bobby would have uh, appreciated our sentiments on it. I, I I only ever think of that funnier or college humor video, the one mm. where it's like the scene where Talia reveals that she was yeah, and he's like, like I totally you know, I totally boned her. <laughs> yeah, we totally had sex. <laughs> yeah, it's not the first thing between us that's been stuck in somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, the whole basis of the book is um, 
Bruce and Julia go to the house. Um, I can't remember exactly why, but basically they walk into, they're being shown around and is this the woman who's head to the company who is like, um, you know, the company that created um, Batman Bunny Bot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're, ba- they're basically in a process of handing um, Wayne Manor back to them after it being Arkham Manor. And, you know, they're being walked around and Bruce is basically saying, like, you know, I don't remember my parents being killed. I don't remember this, that and the other. You know, everything about him that made him Batman is now gone. And I think, like, this this issue seems to be the best um, sort of exploration of him, like, where he is now after Endgame um, since it finished. I, they, they've had, like... A few conversations with like where um Jim would go to went to him and um you know there was conversations that you know showed you that he was no longer the person that became Batman. That's the deal now. Like that's what they're they're running with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the whole his d- brain is completely rebuilt. Yeah, because of right. what happened to him at the at the end of Endgame, and right. so the deal is that he remembers, like he knows that this stuff happened, but it do, it, it feels like it happened to. Someone, Someone else. else? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like he doesn't he doesn't remember his parents being killed. Yeah. Like anything anything bad that happened to him mm-hmm. that created Batman is no longer in there because essentially what happened when he was put into the the stuff that the Lazarus Lazarus pit is made of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because he died and his brain was dead, essentially it fixed it. So it's he's no longer mm. Anything there that motivated him to be Batman is just gone because this stuff saw it as like part of his brain that was broken and fixed it. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. So you know you've got um, you know Batman, Alfred, and Julie walking around. Um, Tea and crumpets. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Do you want a crumpet, mate? <laughs> um, go on, eat it. <laughs> um, so they're walking around and they're sh- like, like I said, sh- the, the house is being eventually, ha- like, obviously being handed back over to Bruce Wayne after it was Arkham Manor. And um, the only, the one problem I have with the book is that they walk into this one room and it's like a completely different configuration than it should be. And the only person who notices it is the woman who's the head of this company and Alfred just doesn't like even trigger. And then all of a sudden the room changes and then you're faced with um, Clayface, Riddler and Freeze. Who, because of what's happened, now have more knowledge of that house than Brewster's. Um, And it basically becomes... um, this sort of battle of wits where um, Clayface, um, Riddler, and you know uh, Mister Freeze have no like have more knowledge of this house and are using it against Bruce. Um, so they eventually they manage. I to- would say, don't spoil the entire book. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's a great tease yeah, right I'm, there. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to explain yet. why I enjoyed it. I don't know. Um, so basically it becomes this like good exploration of like exactly where Bruce's mind is um, and how these villains um, have more knowledge of something that is like so intrinsically like yeah. linked to him. It's part of him. Like the house, you know, he created that house 
as it Extension. as it is with the you know yeah. the cave, every little thing, the security systems, um, and it's just it's, like I said, it's uh, for me. It was probably I th- I think it might be my favorite thing that James Tynion's written as like a Batman book so far, um, just to sort of like flesh out where Bruce is right now and what what has happened to him exactly means and just to establish the fact that he is no longer Batman and as as his mind is cannot he cannot be Batman anymore um and you just you finish the book and you're like okay well you know this is this is Bruce Wayne he's still brave he's still got guts he's still got balls mm-hmm. like but he's just like how can this person become Batman again, because you know at some point he's going to become Batman again. I mean, I think Snyder's already said that like he will. But, you know, you just sit there and thinking, where where are they going to go with this? Um, and I just think that it's, it's good to sort of have that really nice, deep exploration of um, Bruce, his mind, what exactly has happened to his brain and where where he is now because like i said his brain has been rebuilt mm-hmm. he is he is a new bruce you know he, he seems to have a love in his life and alfred seems happy for him and um as a batman fan and so, uh, like i said as someone who likes reading things that are subverted when it's done well um this book was like i, I absolutely loved it i thought it was brilliant it's one of my favorite batman things i've read for well, a while to be honest turning awesome. things on their head gives you another insight into the regular book yeah, it's yeah. it's you know it's a similar thing to um, Superior Spider-Man. It, you know, you you appreciate um, the character who should be Batman that much more when it, he's not Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say I'm I'm, I'm having real good fun with um, Jim being um, Batman. You know, it, I I'm loving the sort of like lighter tone, the more sort of fun aspect to it. Um, but it's you know it's just a really cool subversion of the character and just to see like how far removed from being batman bruce is now it's you know like i said you end up sat there thinking what are they going to do how can how can bruce come full circle and be batman again if his in his mind there's nothing there that connects him to that anger and like the grief that made him Batman. Mm. Right, he's not that eight-year-old boy who saw his parents killed exactly. anymore. Yeah. Because it, it's not there anymore. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. He do, he recalls that his parents were killed, but, but can't the, connect the emotionally. Grief, the grief and the anger that it caused is just not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's interesting because well, most of the time when you when you create a story in the past that has had someone else take over as Batman, the answer is to just have Batman be dead for, for, for have Bruce yeah. be dead for that time or be completely out of the picture for that time but in this interesting thing it's not Bruce who died it's Batman who died you yeah. know so it's interesting that way that yeah. he's playing that, that whole thing and like I said to my friend the other day I was like um, the the only thing that I can think is that maybe like Zuranaz still <laughs> buried somewhere mm-hmm. in there that might bring him back but <laughs> I don't think so because you know Again, that was a thing that was, you know, brought from what made him Batman. And if all that's eliminated, then it would seem that that is too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you, Hugh. It's all right. 
You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so I don't. The only only book I've been reading, I I haven't finished yet, so I don't want to go in depth about it. But I've been reading, finally reading um, the Richard Starks Parker Darwin Cook oh. adaptation. So I've been reading The Hunter. I'm two thirds of the way through that one. Uh, we talked about it on the show years yeah. ago at this point, but it, it's really fantastic. Um, made me interested in a character who I had no idea about before I picked it up. The Darwin Cook art is is gorgeous, obviously, and the way that the prose is sort of built into the art and these these kind of sections where it's very very art heavy. Like there are pages and pages where there's basically no dialogue, and then then there'll be these pages which are mostly prose and just small illustrations. And that balance, I think, is feels really good. Um, and because of a lot of times when I see big prose blocks in a comic book i'm like okay i'm not i don't really want to read this you know and it's because i don't i mean i read plenty of books you know it's it's just it's just kind of the the form doesn't that doesn't fit to the form with me but this is a really good job of doing it but again i'm not done with it so i don't want to speak too much on it but i can say that i would highly recommend it because it's gorgeous it's It's gorgeous great to read Mm -hmm. and oh steve got it for me from Mm. christmas a couple years back (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited to read the others because I I, I really like the character. It's very interesting. I have that. Um, Check that out. That giant uh, collector's oversized martini mm-hmm. uh, edition. I got to dig into that. Mm-hmm. It, it, cool. Obviously, not the uh, Jason Statham version of the character. <laughs> Punch you in the face, mate. <laughs> Put you fucking down. Uh, so yeah, so we'll, we'll pass. I don't want to talk too much about it, but I want to let's pass it over to Bob. Tell me about uh, Hank, Agent of Hydra. Well, everyone's talking about all these weighty tomes, <laughs> and, and my book of the week is Hank Johnson, Agent of Hydra. <laughs> uh, David Mandel, who is mostly a TV writer, who mm-hmm. wrote the Seinfeld episode Bizarro Jerry, so has mm-hmm. some, you know, he's a I mean, Seinfeld, here. Simpsons. He's been right. Yeah, Curb your enthusiasm. Curb enthusiasm, all enthusiasm all yeah. Art by Michael Walsh, calls Matthew Wilson, Clayton Cole's letters. Look, just from this Amanda Connor cover that is definitely Jim Steranko's shield number four sort of twisted on its side, because now it's a regular guy who's gotten the crap kicked out of him, so he's holding a stake to his eye for the black eye, his garden hose is at the bottom. He's a regular schlub who happens to work for Hydra. And we open with a scene from Nick, the original Nick Fury number one, where, where Nick is in a silent sequence, climbing up the tower and sneaking in, and he beats the snot out of a couple of Hydra agents, one of whom is Hank, <laughs> who gets kicked in the head and has to go home to his wife and his kids and deal with, you know, Little League practice and promotions at work and his co-worker's funeral, at which Modoc sings Amazing Grace. Oh, my God. <laughs> which, which is just, it's just hysterical stuff. Can I see that? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it was one of those things I bought next to nothing this week, and it was sitting there. It's like, you know, I, I, I started pouring through it, and I just had to try it. And he's a, just a regular working stiff, and he's got a family life, and how do you deal with this? His wife needs to hire a nanny because he's got you know, two little ones who are fighting with each other. I want to learn how to kill sis <laughs> in the backseat of the car. And they go to Baron Strucker Elementary School. It's, it's, it's very knowing and winning about Marvel history, which is very important. But it's also TV sitcom. It is all the great satires ever written, the old Mad Magazines. It all finds its way into this. He gets a promotion at work. Because he needs more money to hire a nanny because, well, you know, I'm sorry, Captain America is invading Hydra headquarters. I need to go to work today. (laughs) And so I can't take the kids to soccer practice. And he gets promoted and his new boss is Madam Hydra who sexually harasses him and pinches his butt. (laughs) 
And she's married to Modoc, and they have charity dinners. You know, we all know friends who have kids in school, and you have to buy their magazines yep. or their greeting cards. Their wrapping paper. Right, exactly. That happens here, too. So I'm not going to spoil any more jokes or go any further to say this is just great, great fun. This is, you know, uh, David Mandel has a great grasp of Marvel history. So if you're thinking this is just some one-off that doesn't matter. Is it a one-shot? Yeah. It looks amazing. It's, I, a, it, it's a great one shot, and take a shot. Uh, the, the Shield one shots, whether it's Battleworld or whatever, where it's been Mockingbird, mm-hmm. Agent Carter, The Fury, which I picked up this week, Bobby, which was just as awesome great, as you right? said it was. Absolutely loved it by David F. Walker. Take a shot if you can find Hank Johnson, Agent of Hydra. Goofy title or not, dive in and just enjoy. I didn't open that and when I was at the shop. Had I opened it, I would have bought it. Just on the art alone, it reminds me of uh, Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Yeah, no, it's all it, it's it's the Polito, it's the Samney, it's all those sort of. We're gonna lay this out like an old comic, but have our own take on it. Here, here you go. We'll pass it around the table. That Hank Johnson, Agent of Hydra. Michael Walsh is the artist. Michael there? Walsh. Oh yeah, he's great. He's awesome. That's um, amazing. I gotta get he's that. He's the best. He's great. Uh, cool. Awesome. Yep. So uh, let's. Uh, Let's move on to our shared book of the week, which was the first time we've ever done a collected volume of anything. Um, we did the Empty uh, Volume 1, which is everything done by Jimmy Robinson. Yeah. Um, Colors in Chapter 6, though, by Paul Little. Okay. Oh, yeah, look at that. Color but, Assist, Chapter 6. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Jeff. We don't, we don't want to shortchange anybody, but mostly all done... By Jimmy Robinson. Jimmy Robinson. I wrote that too, and I got to there and went, oh, I've been right there. That could be important. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So, The Empty is a, it's sort of like a, it's a fantasy science fiction tale, I'd yeah. say, um, about a world in which uh, basically everything but this one little island is basically dead. And that's what The Empty is. It's this barren wasteland that has all these sort of veins running through it that are spewing poison into it and there are all these sort of different species and different people and the story is about a group of them trying to figure out what is the cause of this and trying to eliminate it um it's got a lot of elements of a, of a lot of of fantasy and science fiction things in it but it's very much that story about stranger in a strange land who might be the answer to someone's prayers basically is, is the situation we've got sort of we've got this the stranger in a strange land we've got the the warrior you got the hero's quest going yeah yep. yeah we've we've got the 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 creature that seems like a savage but really isn't a savage um, and a lot of other things going on a lot of diverse lands a lot of different stuff going on and and some interesting twists uh, uh, along the way um, and that's basically the idea of, of, of the empty right I mean it's kind of tough to talk about this book without I think going into spoilers because a lot of the thematic stuff about it ends in sort of ties together with what happens at the end um, and so I, I want to say that if you don't want to hear sort of you know, allusions to the ending. You might not want to listen, um, but if you want to hear, I mean, we'll obviously try to do our general impressions first. But just so you know, it's it's going to sink into talking about sort of the the book overall. Uh, I don't want to sort of hamstring the conversation in in, in that way. Um, so yeah, so I, you know, there obviously we were we were in the fifth the fifth Wednesday of of the month yeah. last week, and and we, there was not really a lot of single issues coming out, and so we wanted to sort of dive into something else. So that's why we picked this. Um, Bob, why don't you kick it off for me and tell me sure. what you thought of the ending? Uh, just as you're saying, it's a lot of different things in one place and creating a stew out of all those disparate elements can sometimes be clunky uh we have art that's a combination to me it's sort of european 
and manga at the same time, mm-hmm. but still a traditional grid pattern. We have lots of science fiction elements, but there's definitely that fantasy sword and sorcery to this. Even though there's no sorcery involved, mm-hmm. but we get that feeling of this is band of brothers kind of we're coming together to this. Without spoiling too much, I I thought one of the major elements was telegraphed pretty early for mm. me in terms of what's kind of going on. I thought in my head, oh, I, I see where this is. It's political mm. at a certain level. Um, I love the characters. I'm glad it was the, – the, this is volume one. Is this continuing or is this going to stay as it is? Because I thought as a self-contained piece, it was really it kind of interesting. It says volume one. I don't know if, there, if there's more coming. Right. I don't know Do we stretch this out to the point of it mm. gets, I don't want to see these mm. people anymore. But we have lots of interesting races. We've got sentient bugs. Mm-hmm. We've got a future tale. It's post-apocalyptic, but it isn't trying to be Mad Max. It isn't trying to be all the things we've seen before. Yeah, I mean, it's post-post-apocalyptic. So it's yeah. not dealing with like, oh, where are we gonna, how are we going to find this stuff? Like, how are we right. going to rebuild our old lives? It's Some things yes. have been rebuilt. Yeah, it's, it's Badly, totally, poorly, yes. weirdly. It's many generations past the apocalypse. Yeah, we're thousands of years yes, out. Yes, yeah. Um, world-changing? Earth-shaking? Mm. No. Pleasant hour reading? Absolutely. And and somewhat different. I, mm. I'm a little, as I'm burnt out on a lot of other things, if everything is, the bombs fell mm-hmm. and things go wrong and monsters grow. And this is a little different. Mm-hmm. It's Lorax-y. Mm. We put there's some ecological bit to this where we're destroying our own earth a little bit. Which is also of, quite a lot, like a lot of... Um kind of like a lot of anime movies like princess mononoke and yes like that. yeah so i think there are a lot of angles for people to to bring to this a lot of tastes that could be satisfied by what's here change your reading habits forever no <laughs> pleasant diversion absolutely stephanie what did you think of it honestly i only made it through the first issue of this um oh Someone's at my apartment. Oh. Dracula? <laughs> the last that, we heard that, of Stephanie. It's that killer <laughs> yeah, lady yeah, from yeah. upstairs. Um, yeah, Sounds like no. the start of Thriller. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah uh, so I, I don't know. I thought that the first issue, I couldn't make it past that. I did not like the art. I didn't like the colors. Um, and I honestly didn't really like the story either. Um I I, I don't know like it just wasn't compelling to me I hated the anatomy on the characters I thought the colors were just like really amateur looking Um, I thought they looked like something that you would pick up in a zine at um, Artist Alley Um, I like just wasn't too impressed by the story I thought that that was really weak and I just honestly I didn't feel compelled to carry on from there and I know I that was my assignment, but I was like, I can't. <laughs> okay. Um, Steve, what do you think of it? Um, I have mixed feelings about it. I uh, I liked the colors. I thought the colors were good, and they were vibrant, and they were nice. Um, I enjoyed the characters. I thought I, I enjoyed more so than anything else kind of the, the mystery and how the mystery unfolded. I felt like like those those final pages when you get to the end of an issue – I thought the hooks of those final panels were good that they kept me going where I got to the end of the issue and I was like, oh, well, how, you know, how are they going to get out of this? Or, you know, what the hell is that? Like, what is that doing there kind of thing? 
Um, so that was pushing me along. I uh, eventually got used to some of the character designs. They're very bizarre to begin with. I mean, this is a strange land and a strange yes. place. So I accepted it pretty early on that I was going to have to get used to things like these characters that have these really long necks or uh, Tenor, the main character with her really long arms, really liked her her blade outfit that she's kind of walking around with these uh, giant blades strapped to her arms, uh, kind of like propeller blades or whatever. Uh, and I liked the the more the 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 mules the mules yeah. that's it the, the, mules. the big doggy things yeah. Um, my only thing that I'll say about it though is I found the the resolutions to the problems to be very cut and dry. That when they were faced with all of these things, when we got to kind of wrapping them up, they were very quickly accepted. Like this is how this is how we're gonna do this, and this is how this ends, and everybody was just like, okay. Um, and I thought, mm, I'm kind of losing my. Uh, my You're train doing of fine. Here. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. <laughs> um, oh, I had a point to make, and I completely forgot what it was. Oh, the um, okay. So they discover that the the female character Leela. Yep. Okay. Leela has a has a, a power that's unknown to to Tenor and, and her people and stuff like that. Um the people between the royals uh, that were on Leela's Leela's race yeah. and Tenor's people, everybody was really pushy. And 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 like once they found out about Leela, they were like, "Oh, you can do this this amazing thing." Well, guess what? You're now you're now ours. And we're going to bring you on this quest, and we're going to do these things, and we'll promise you something down the road, but you're going to do X, Y, and Fix Z for us. us. for this, yeah. Right. And I just, I found I found a lot of, of kind of the the picture that Leo was painting of her world to be a little bit too simple, a little too watered down of like, it's a perfect wonderland of a place. And like, I would... I would hate somebody that came to me like that if my world was a, was a dead-ass desert. Um, but her powers make her a very intriguing person, especially an interesting person to travel with. And I like that she is like the voice of, of not only just reason, but like she's the hope for, for the, the future planet, and, yeah. and for this world. And like I said, I really, I, I did enjoy the mystery of, of everything that was going on. And I felt like by the time that I got to the end of each issue, I was intrigued enough to move forward. I just wish that certain characters had a little bit more, that they they questioned things a bit. There was a little bit more exploration as to what was actually happening. Like uh, Lego's boyfriend, you gotta dump his ass. Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. like he, he is a douche. Yeah, he yeah. just the 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 whole Royals thing just felt very like everybody was very blind to just accept. And I mean, maybe that's their world and that's the way that they've been living for you know. But if if my girlfriend or wife to be like if i was going to ask somebody to marry them and they didn't show up and she got thrown off a cliff right and this like this like douchey overlord guy it was just like like, there's even parts of the conversation where he kind of like trips over his own words and he screws up and he reveals a little something and he goes like did you just say something different than what you said before oh no not at all oh well okay and just push it aside I really would have liked if I think that if those things were explored more, it would have endeared me to that race a little bit more. And I just I would have been more interested in what happens to them. I'm more interested in what happens to uh, Tenor's people 
than yeah. to like I don't give a crap what happens to Leela's people because they just they seem like elitist elitist asses. Mm-hmm. Even though the people are just going blindly by what the royals it's those royals yeah, the, the royal the decree yeah. um, as usual is mm-hmm. the problem. I think but, ironically there's certain echoes to like what I was saying earlier on about Attack on Titan with mm-hmm. with this. Right. Well, see the like I I I'm spouting a bunch of stuff and I, I have a tendency to ramble. You're doing fine. But I think that the idea part of the idea that they do blindly accept what these royals are saying is is a message and they're supposed to be those people. They are the sheep. They are the people mm-hmm. that just, you know, government says so, so they must they must know they what they're must, talking yep. about, so this is what we do. And the fact that they're those types of people, they're the ones that are living the sweet life over in, you know, the Green Valley from Land Before Time, that's <laughs> it's it's telling. And and the rest of the world, because of what you're doing and the way you live, your what goes through your toilet is poisoning my is presumably poisoning mm. my world. And we need to figure out a different way to do this because while you're over here living in heaven, I'm living in hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that I'm, it's interesting, right? Because not even the royals of that world know that there's something else, right? They 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 mm-hmm. don't know that 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 they live greatly because other people live like crap, right? And, yeah. and so yeah, that turns up a little bit later. The yeah, idea, yeah, I think it's interesting, right? That the whole uh, conceit of th- these people who are here, <laughs> they have this Greenland. They have everything in the world that they would want, and that's part of the reason why that they are docile right because they have nothing to complain about yeah they have a they, they live for hundreds and hundreds of years they have a beautiful life uh and, and in many ways that keeps them like why, why are they gonna complain they just do what they're gonna do uh but i do agree with you i think that their world is the least well drawn of, of, of sort of the the worlds that we visit and mm-hmm. you know for me the book is is very much a double-edged sword and i, I will say that i think that for me personally the design I really liked the design of, of the world. I like the design of the characters. I, I thought it was kind of refreshingly weird in, yeah. in the way that things are, you know, like yeah, the, certainly. the long spindly, the long like spider arms, you know, the, the dog man, you know, the, the long neck and everything. That was interesting. And, and in the back matter, they talk a little, he talks a little bit about why he designed characters in, in, in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Um, especially to the design of uh, Tenor's people. Were, were, uh, the design of Tenor was yes. great. I loved yeah. like the, 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 the blades all on the arms and stuff like that. I thought that was a cool design. The transition that she at some point her look kind of changes a little bit yeah and it was like i went back from like you know earlier in the mm. book to future to Noir, and mm. even those subtle differences were really interesting in that like all of a sudden her hair falls nicer on on her shoulders yes. and stuff like that and, and I, scarring i, I and think stuff. in a funny way that kind of like reflects the change in her personality as well mm. at some point in the oh, book Ooh, look at you yeah <laughs> 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 Let me just take Rather. a smoke, a toke on my cigar. Um, yeah, but like, it just seems to like at some point she seems more accepting of like you know mm-hmm. other races, mm-hmm. um, and you know it kind of turns into a bit of a buddy book at some point, and she just seems to she kind of well for want of a better term she just lightens up a bit. Yeah, she, yeah. She, she accepts other people, and the fact that you know they're in they're rolling in the same shit that she is. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, so hell of a message, generally yeah. speaking. Yeah. yeah, and conceptually, I really like the idea of the book. I think the book falters in dialogue. I think the dialogue is not very good. I think that di- there, there's um, a lot of over explaining, a lot of a lot of re saying kind of emotions, which are obvious in the art already. 
but I, I and it's funny because he's also the artist. Not maybe feels like not, maybe not trusting the way of his art, and maybe he's going for a certain style, and it's just not something that that I go for. But I feel like the dialogue is mm-hmm. is, is it, it stops the progression of the book a lot for me. Yeah. Um, there was one of the big that's the kind of my biggest gripe with the in the entire book. Uh, I will I think so, Stevie. You're absolutely right too. I think that some of the situations that they're in mm-hmm. get resolved. Um, there's more build up than there is resolution, yeah. right? You know, yeah. it, it, it's it's very much like bad episodes or bad, subpar episodes of Doctor Who, where it's like all this build up and then they do this one thing and then it's over and everything is yeah. fine, you know. <laughs> and that happened, especially like the bug scene, right? That's a lot of what the bug scene. They've got the timey wimey wibbly wobbly exactly. stuff to pull back on. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that's a, I, I felt like that, that there are shortcomings to the book. Um, mm. uh, but I will say, I, I thought there w- there are. I found myself when I got to the end of uh, I think issue f- there's six issues right mm-hmm. I got to the end of issue five and they're like we're here and then when we're there at like the source of everything and I found myself like I, I really wanted to see, turn yes, the page you know exactly the same way um and and for that I I think that it it does its job in in certain ways you know I think that I liked the characters even though um there was a lot I think of fat in the dialogue like I said but I liked the characters and I wanted to see what happened to them uh. And and the I like the idea of it being a, like an environmental parable of, mm-hmm. about, you know, it's a lot about you know science. It's it's not it's not necessarily saying like you know, it's not even being like you know, it's not even going the way of like oh there's the climate change people versus the non climate change people. It's yeah. about it's kind of about science and science. Um, you know, always it's kind of like the Ian Malcolm thing, right? They don't stop to ask to see if they, they you know, they should. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, it's about responsibility. Yeah. To it. Yes. And, and this idea that you know, trying to do a good thing, they kind of destroyed the world. Yeah. Um, and I liked that stuff a lot. Uh, you know, I think that it's interesting because uh, one of my favorite book series is the Dark Tower series, and and there is a lot of, of Dark Towerish stuff in this book. Really. The, the whole idea when they're like, we're going to follow this this route to the source. The whole the Dark Tower is very much about following these beams to the Dark Tower, which is the center of sort of what's killing the world. Oh. And so there's a lot of Dark Tower that, that's going on in here. Just trash the place, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> He's just throwing things everywhere. Sorry, yeah. I'm a guest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, I, I appreciate that, but also it sort of exposed, I think, some of the underbelly of, of the story to me. But, um, yeah, so for me, that was my, my main gripe is, is the dialogue stuff. I felt like design-wise, art-wise, I really liked it. Um I, I I did feel like there there was some fat on it, but I enjoyed reading it. When I started reading it, I did not think I was going to enjoy reading it. I will say that I think the first issue was not strong. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there was a lot of a lot more of that sort of heavy-handed dialogue in, in the opening, and then once they got on the road, it moved a little more. And by the time we got to some more of it, I was sort of invested in the character, so it, it didn't really it didn't really bother me as mm-hmm. much. But yeah, it was an interesting read. I, I like that we did this because I never would have read it if we hadn't if we hadn't have picked it. Um, and it's an interesting book to have read, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, Agreed. my feelings on it are kind of like a cherry pick mm. of, like, everybody's. Um, you know, I agree with you. It's, it's a bit of a chug to get through for the first maybe two or three issues. Um, but once you get all the characters together and, like I said, it kind of becomes a bit of a buddy thing and they're understanding each other and, you, you know, they know what they want to do and what they need to do. Um, you know, it, it kind of pushes it along. Like you see, there's a bit of a hopeful element to the book. The one thing I would have liked to have seen is that maybe if a like a peop a bit of the like the people who live you know and they've got they've got everything they've got the green they've got you know stuff to live on is maybe if they knew about what things were like outside of there 
um, it would have added a bit more of a, an interesting element for them to maybe start questioning the fact mm-hmm. that, like, hang on a second, we've got it good. Why, why aren't we trying What's... to help or do something about yeah. it? Like, I think that would have added an extra element to it. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, like I said, there's a bit of a cherry pick of elements of like everybody else's thought. The art was a bit hit and miss for me. Um, you know, kind of, kind of manga-ish, but, um, you know, not a bit, like I said, a bit, a little bit hit and miss, not, not quite on the mark for me, but I just would have liked to have seen maybe what, like that social element of just people questioning that leadership that they had i mean is the the questioning of the leadership from sort of like the empties point of view where you've got the elders saying you know you're a heretic like you get out of our, yeah. where we live type thing but you know the the other side of it where you know the people who have got nothing are questioning what this one girl's trying to do for them whereas the people who have got everything nobody's questioning it so maybe i think that maybe would have made it slightly more interesting well, I think what Bobby's saying, maybe he didn't, in terms of not trusting the art to tell the story, not trusting the, the characters to tell the story, too. If you mm-hmm. take that next leap and deepen the story to that, now you have everything yeah. coalescing into something really special. Just make it be that, that, that cool sort of like, you know, people, like, for want of a better term, like a people power type book. Like, uh, yeah. we've we've got it all. Why are we not helping this Right. You know, these people who are just... You get that kumbaya moment yeah. where everyone says, you know, we're, we're all in this yeah, they're crap living on, together. They're yeah. living on Tatooine. We're living on Endor. <laughs> there you go. Um, wh- why aren't we helping these people? Mm-hmm. I hope Mara likes that. that <laughs> I'm sure she way. will. <laughs> the retweet, I can sense <laughs> coming. Uh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. There, there are things that need to be, I think, need to be explored a little bit more, but um, and in, definitely interesting yeah. universe yeah. and I enjoy, world. I enjoyed it. And you so rarely, so rarely do you get... A book that it's so much one person, right? That that's that's everything. Like every mm-hmm. every aspect of this book is Jimmy Robinson, right? There, there's mm-hmm. there's nothing that's not f- from his hand or his brain, uh, which I think is a very interesting thing. Mm. Um, Makes me want to see more from his pen. That's yeah, definite, absolutely. I I I think design wise, I love the design, uh, yeah. absolutely. Um, and so maybe yeah. if there is a second volume, we'll, we'll see people yes. questioning yeah. the, the, you know, the establishment. Mm-hmm. Um, we have comments. We have a few comments. Yes, okay. uh, from Jesse Bowden says the empty feels like a mashup of the village and Biodome, but in a good way. Uh, <laughs> Viva wow. Los Biodome! <laughs> uh, I haven't heard the, the Biodome reference in a very long time. <laughs> wow, I love that movie. Uh, <laughs> no, you don't. Good old, good old Paulie Shaw. <laughs> wow. And uh, at, Paulie the Weasel Shaw. At NPC Aaron says sometimes you open a book just wanting a grand adventure and the empty delivers a great one so much fun uh so thank you thank you guys so much for 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 ringing in i do want to say as well that lauren colleague says that your your jason Statham impression is dead on damn fucking, <laughs> damn fucking right mate <laughs> i'm fucking murky if you don't agree <laughs> language language um sorry do you not know what murk means no i do Oh, okay. I wouldn't. That wasn't the word I was talking about. I know. <laughs> Get the joke, Bobby. Uh, Stephanie, it is, it is your pick for uh, our book of the week. Ah, uh, it is. It is. I'm torn between two things, but I'm pretty sure I know which one it's going to be. Well, regardless, you won't be here next week to talk about it. 
Shut up, it will. What? No, because she's never here when she picks a. She picks her book. It's like a jinx. Prove him wrong, Stephanie. I will be there, Bobby, unless something happens. Unless I have something better to do. Shut up. I didn't say that. Don't make people think I don't want to be here. I mean, I like everybody basically but you. I know, it's true. Mm, That's fair enough. Shut up, Bobby. Um, This is going. I was torn between (laughs) Doctor Strange number one. Okay. Love it. But Bob's face just lit up. The it winners, just collapsed. I know where we're going. Do it, collapse. Do it, Stephanie. It's, it's Jughead number one. Oh, nice. oh that's not Good what I was pick. expecting. Not what I thought pick. you were going. Oh. I've heard. Zdarsky, Erica Henderson. I want everyone to read this. I love Chip. Uh, I've heard oh. from early reviews that it is excellent. I heard that as well. I saw some early reviews. It's Chip. What did you think I was going to pick? Paper Girls. Paper Girls. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, Bob's no, very sad. No. Uh, very you're you're sad. still going to read Doctor Strange. Yeah. yeah. Now it could be your book of the week, Bob. Yeah. Bob, Bob might not now, seeing how Steph oh, hasn't picked no. it. Oh, <laughs> no. Now I'm sad that you're sad. Uh, paper Girls, I really... If, I, yeah. Uh, all right. Jughead. <laughs> Jughead! Did you see uh, the... The the, the Tim Zdarsky tweeted the, the other day a picture of the next issue of Sex yes. Criminals. Should... He's like hot off the presses. It looks good so to me, funny. and it says it says Sex Criminals by Harvey Award winning humorist Chip Zdarsky oh, oh. and chums and chums. <laughs> <laughs> and he he just posted it with the caption Matt's idea. Yeah, yes, <laughs> it's pretty good. They're amazing. It's pretty good. I love Chip. Yeah, I... I mean, how could I not want to read this? I'm very excited to read it. I'm very is, excited to read it. Chip, Chip an artist alley, or is he on the floor? Uh, I don't know. He'll be everywhere. He's out on the parking lot. Yeah. He's in the, yeah. on the street corner. Yeah. He, I have. You know, to. He's in the subway every station. Opportunity to meet him. I need to meet he's him. He's playing an accordion out in the parking lot. He yeah. is. He is so nice, and he's hilarious. If you yeah. find him, text me. I will. Okay. I will. You and stay right here. <laughs> yeah. Don't. Like, There's a guy coming Waldo, to see you. Steve. He's going to be on a map. <laughs> me, me and Chip are friends on Facebook, so it's official. Okay. Ah. There you go. We're, we are down. <laughs> All right. Um... Let's do a couple more questions before we get out of here. Okay, uh, Travis Beckwith, and this has to do with your uh, your 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 news item you brought with you, Bob. Ah, ah. Um, says, what's the crew's opinion about Red Sonia and the other heroines that are getting a relaunch? Um, I've never read them, as they always look sort of cheesy. Are they, or are they fun fantasy stories with misleading covers? Thanks, Bob. Why don't you take it? Why don't you talk about the the well, relaunch first? By the way, well, what we have here is Gail Simone shepherding through the dynamite universe. Mm-hmm. A revamp of Red Sonia, which she's already done, but now Marguerite Bennett is writing. Full costume redesign. Full costume mm-hmm. redesign. Vampirella mm-hmm. in a sort of... Uh, clothes. Bat, clothes. In clothes. Much more clothes. <laughs> l- shall I say bat girly? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're going like, more like steampunk. Like right. <laughs> Yeah. And, and Deja Thoris, who the Dynamite covers have been appalling. <laughs> Dynamite of late... I'll, uh, um, personal opinion, <laughs> Dynamite of late has in some ways become Zenoscope. <laughs> Which there have been it? way too many variant covers of semi-naked women on the covers. Now, Gail, not going to play that. Homie, don't play that. Hell no. Oh, my God. Oh you my heard God. that. You heard that, right? Oh That's four scotches I'm, in. I'm out. You're out. I am so glad I just I'm witnessed that. So, putting my headphones down. So <laughs> what we... My what job. We, what we have is now all these great female characters that go back decades, now shepherded by Gail Simone with great writers and artists in a new universe interconnected with these characters. And so for me, 
Well, I didn't read Red Sonja before Gail took it over, and it's been one of my favorite series of the last five or ten years. That she's in charge of this and, and, and hiring people like Marguerite Bennett, who I just love, to do this. I'm all on board. I think this is going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Opinions across the board as we look at... Yeah, I mean, I've seen that Nicholas Scott redesigned all the costumes, yep. right? So she did all the, the redesigns on it. And, you know, again, it's one of those things where there's been so many issues and so many, again, across multiple companies of, of these characters. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure, to answer this guy's question, I'm sure that there are great runs on these characters yeah. embedded in, in those times. Um, I've never really kept up with them. So I don't really know, right? I know, obviously, we talked about the Gail Simone Red Sonja series, and what, from what I've read, probably 10 issues of it, and every issue has been very, very good. That I've, I've enjoyed every one of them. Um, I've always been interested in a character like Vampirella, but always not wanted to read a book with a character that looked that way. You know, yes, it's, yeah, all those Harris issues were pretty heinous. Yes, and yeah. I like, but I like the idea of the character. I love, like, vampire hunter-type characters, stuff like that. So... I, I, I'm interested in that in that character. Deja Thoris, I have no no idea. Is it a John Carter? John Carter thing? Mars. It is. It's, it's okay. the Princess of Mars. Okay, that's okay. Yep. So I didn't. Uh, that's what I've always figured, but never never really knew. So I don't know anything about any of the books. But the the teams that they announced, uh, Marguerite Bennett is Red Sonja. They, they announced they announced the others as well, right? Kate Leth is writing. Kate Leth is doing which one? Kate Leth is doing Vampirella. Vampirella. Okay. She's she's scripting. Okay. And. <laughs> But they, they say he was doing Deja Thoris? Frank J. Barbieri. Oh, very oh, nice. nice. Hey. I mean, Kate Leth writing Vampirella, at least in the case that it's going to be fun. Yes, yeah. definitely. So that should be cool. Above all else. So yeah, I, I'm definitely I'm definitely in to read an issue of, uh, of you know, um, at least one of, of mm-hmm. each of these. Uh, Nicholas Scott is doing the art duties on one of them, right? I think. Um, I thought she was doing art duties on one of them. I think she's doing Vampirella. I think she is. She's doing no more. artists or release dates have been announced for oh. the latter two titles. So Deja and Vampirella, no, no artists yet. Who's doing with Marguerite Bennett? Red Sonja is Anike. Oh, okay. All right. So um, I guess I was wrong. But I guess I just saw her name mentioned all the redesigns. She may end up. Yeah. You never know. But it, very cool. I, I think it's a very cool thing. I, just like all the other companies are doing stuff like this, I like that they're going to the drawing board and they're they're redoing it and, and they're figuring out a way to bring it more into into line with what is acceptable now um, mm-hmm. and hiring great. I like Creative the talent. idea of uh, female creators taking this little corner mm-hmm. of the comic book universe and classing it up a little bit and, good, good and kind of, you know, re uh, reintroducing people to them and, and kind of maybe giving these these new characters uh, clout where some feel that there there hasn't been for quite some time. Mm-hmm. It's like you said, like. You know, Vampirella could be an amazing character in series for all we know, but because of the art and the way that she's been portrayed for years, that is one of the things that, you know, we as a group kind of stay yeah. away from because it's it just, it's, it's a bunch of things. I'm not going to get into specifics and start, you know, speaking for people. But um, for me, it was like every time I saw Vampirella, I was like, wow, she's really sexy and gorgeous, but... I can't bring this to the counter because I feel like a scuzz. Great poster, not a book I want to bring to the counter. Right. But if they can, uh, if Gail Simone is heading up this whole movement with these characters and everything, I'm down to read all three of them. I would yeah. definitely check these out mm. for a first issue, sure. Absolutely. Stephanie, what about you? I know you love the I, Kate Leth. I, I do. Uh, I, I think that it, I'm, I'm, I'm like of a mixed kind of mind towards all of it. Um, I want to see these characters... Um, 
in like a new light. I want to uh, kind of get a chance to actually read them in, in quality stories. Um, so I like, you know, I... <laughs> Sorry, the ghost. Whoa, the ghost ha, is strong. Ha, yeah. ha, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like I just want to. Um, I just want to play in the sandbox too, guys. Yeah. I mean, I, um, and I want to see what all the hubbubaloo is about, and not just you know, double D's, triple well, D's, hubbubaloo. The vampire, yeah, the the vampire remix, so to speak, is very much DC bombshells. I mean, if you were going to so behind on. <laughs> oh, you should you should be reading bombshells, but it has that sort of old-fashioned, respectful vibe. Mm. She is much more clothed than she's been for forty years or so, <laughs> which is lovely to see. Because again, she is a great character. The whole idea of vampire hunter, planet Dracula, and rivers of blood, and the rest of it. Wow! And it it disappeared down the cleavage hole. Nope. <laughs> I mean, there's no else to fire. say it. You're on fire today. Yeah, I'm good. I'm going good. <laughs> Sometimes that's not a bad place to go. Vampirella yeah. <laughs> admittedly looks a lot very, very Batman-y. Yeah. Like, she, she's she got the like Hunter's crossbow. The universe. Mm. Yeah. And th- that's great because she's a vampire. Yeah. She looks like a dark And then Red Sonia <laughs> looks like she's a slightly leggier version of the little critter from Journey. Hey, no, look, have you been reading Gales and uh, the Walter Giovanni Dynamite? No, not for a while. Oh, it was great. 18 issues of absolute awesome. And this is someone who just doesn't read Red Sonja. She looks like the Demon Hunter from Diablo (laughs) 3. Okay. Which is not a bad look. That's a good point. Or an Ewok. She's not like an Ewok. (laughs) (laughs) The crazy thing is She's at least five foot six, yeah. so she's not a an very Ewok. Tall Ewok, Maybe like a king okay. Ewok, queen Ewok. Yeah, <laughs> queen walk. <laughs> I like it. That Isn't that like a hipster food? A hipster foodie <laughs> Ewok. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like it's nice to see like especially with Vampirella being like it's less exploitative. Like that, like Steve said, it's the one the thing that put me off reading the book. I've n- I've never ever read any of it. There's a Vampirella Aliens crossover going on right now, mm. and I'm not reading it because me. of things like that. That's really yeah. the only reason you're not reading it. Yeah, I was gonna in say. space, yeah. nobody can hear you not wear a bra. <laughs> is, that really your, is that really your dream? The Vampirella Aliens crossover? I've been. I I have my because own little <laughs> thing yeah, going on apparently. <laughs> Check my, um, old, my, my old live journal. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, with Gail, so to speak, showrunning, and you know, Kate Leth and Marguerite Bennett um, being involved, like both of those writers are, are becoming like they're two women who, pretty much now, as as soon as I see they're writing something these days, I'll I'll at least check it out. Um, I'm excited for her Valiant book. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. What's she writing? Uh, Faith. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. I'll, de- I'll definitely check it yeah, out. And, that's the end of you know, that story. From... I'm just excited. She was my favorite uh, character out of the Harbinger Wars mm. that I read, or Harbinger, the volume one. Mm. There's mm-hmm. also Hellcat. It's true. I'm oh, yeah, yeah. so excited <laughs> for Hellcat. Me and true. Rob were looking at Hellcat figure, um, Marvel Select figures in um, <laughs> uh, Target today. Oh. What? So, yeah. yeah, they've got it out. Is it Marvel Select? No, Marvel Legends figures. Marvel Legends. Rather. Um, but yeah, they're obviously uh, going to have a big push on her seeing as how they brought a figure out for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, with with Gail showrunning, like Gail's Gail, I'll, you know, follow her wherever she goes. 
Um, and Marguerite and Kate Less are both two creators now who have established themselves as two creators that I'll I'll at least check out what they write. So I'm 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 in for this. I'll I'll go in and see read a few issues of each and see where it goes. Which is which will be a first for me. I've read about half of Gail's Red Sonya run and I've enjoyed it for what it is. I need to finish it off. I've got all the rest of the issues, um, but for me to read the other two titles will be a first for me. And you know for that's a testament to to the people they've got writing and you know sort of pushing the direction of them amen absolutely um this question is from uh, gary chapin and he says we focus so heavily on first issues with few exceptions we stopped talking after the launch but the real trick is a sustained comic are there ways to spotlight comics which maintain quality over time beyond what we already do sure what a 5.99 price point on them yeah that'll do it yep I don't think that's what he's talking about. <laughs> I know. Uh, wait, <laughs> God sake, you don't know jokes, do you? I do know jokes. You just don't, you just don't tell very good ones. <laughs> oh, we've actually Dang. talked about this a lot. Yes, it, we have. It's how do you deal with those books that we love month after month after month, mm. and, and whether that's Batman, Daredevil, Captain Marvel, Ms. Marvel, mm. how do you continue to talk about those same books over and over and over again? You have a podcast. <laughs> you have a podcast, and you keep <laughs> damn talking about them over and Harrow over County. again. County, yeah. do it. Right. But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things, right? When we, when we... And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I know, I know. You, you love it. It's because it's a damn fun <laughs> comic. <laughs> like, he gets very frustrated when I, when I say it like that. That's why I like to do that. Um, but... Uh, we we talk you know it's it's especially when we get to the end of the year so I feel like this comes at a sharp focus for us because um you know you want to be you want your list to look new you want it to look fun you want it to, yeah. it would be exciting um so you don't want to say oh saga daredevil batman even if those are still the best things that, that you love the most because you know you want to talk you want to honor the new books cuz they're, they're trying to get in there but i i think yeah it's really important just to keep talking about them you, you know you don't you can say that this book is still your favorite book, even if it's been out for three years. If it's still your favorite book, yeah. Don't say it's your favorite book just because you're resting on this idea that it was your favorite book three years ago, and it still is. And it still is, you know. But if it's truly your favorite book, don't be afraid to talk about it. And, and I think that he's absolutely right. I think that, um, in you know, even when we do the show, right? There's there's a lot of talk about we talk about new number ones when we do this book of the week thing. We're generally always doing number ones just because it's easier to get everybody's kind of reading schedules for something that is new. Uh, but you need to, you need to, but I think it's also important to, you know, we talk, we, we do manage to keep talking about the ones that are fantastic, right? We, oh, we're always talking about Batman, Daredevil, uh, Sex Criminals, Ms. Mm-hmm. Marvel, yep. Captain Marvel Saga. These are all books that we keep talking about. I think that the more of the challenge is to not, is those books that we, we, we love, but we, they're not our favorite books to keep talking about them because those are the books I think that get kind of lost in the ether. In the end, if people still buy them, who cares if we're still talking about yeah. them or not? But and they keep going. But you know, I think those are the books that you know kind of get lost in the middle. Like, I mean, Stephanie just talked about she just read volume one of Deadly Class, right? Yeah. Steve and I both loved that book. I can't remember the last time we mentioned it. Um, we mentioned it at the end of volume two. Yeah, we, but we, that You're was missing the point. A few months ago. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Nailbiter as well. Another book that we, yeah. we all love that we don't, we don't really talk about that often. Books, you know, books like that we tend not to talk about. Um, as we, uh, we put them out there, we don't need to yeah, yeah. talk anymore. Yeah, because bless you, Steve. Uh, bless you again. <laughs> I'm not done yet. Uh, <laughs> sorry, it's uh, turning red. <laughs> And, you know, even when I read them, I'll be like, okay, I'll read them, maybe I'll throw it in the lightning round, but I won't focus on it for, yeah. for something. And I will say, I think of all of us, Bob is much better about this than any of us. 
You know, well, where you. he'll talk about books that I'm like, really, Bob's talking about, you know, you know, uh, sensation again, sensation yeah. number 13, you know, and, and, and it's not like, it's like this issue where anything spectacular happened. It's just another good issue of the book and, and Bob will talk about it. Yep. Uh, so I, I think that those are the books that really need the ones that we, you have to just put a focus on talking about mm-hmm. them if you want people to know about them. Yeah, I mean, it's also important to note. I mean, I know that redundancy, especially when you're tuning into a weekly mm-hmm. podcast that you wait, you know, six, seven days to hear it or whatever. And it's like, oh, or the games podcast where, you know, destiny is a thing. I mean, it's always been a thing, mm-hmm. but like now we're all into it, including me. And it's like, oh, man. Like, what? You know, right. what? Yeah. <laughs> Rightfully so. No. I have two level 40 characters <laughs> as of right now. Oh, high five. I just I don't know what I'm high five in, but I know you hated you hated I, Destiny for I love, the longest time. I love that game. I've only got one level forty character, so that's pretty good yeah. going. I did. I got my second. I got my my level forty warlock earlier that's, today. Have you got a hunter too? Yeah, oh. yeah, hunter and warlock. The only one I don't have is I have a level seven. All right, uh, okay. the game's podcast. Yeah, yeah. The point being, I want to hear more about Destiny. <laughs> The point being, <laughs> you've been playing it too. I haven't been <laughs> talking about it. Go ahead. It's tough because you know you. Talking about these books over and over again, if we are talking about it, you've said this on the show before, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. There's a reason to to repeatedly talk about how amazing Daredevil is or how – like I've been going on and on for the past couple of weeks even about Martian Manhunter and Doc Fate. DC – DC has been like like we do end of the year stuff and we're like oh what company DC is way up there for me mm-hmm. this year way up there that was not the case the last two three years mm-hmm. in a row they did a ma- in my even if even if it's just a little corner of their company they did a major turnaround and created like seven or eight titles that are stellar they've got they're doing some really good stuff in there there's even a little bit of like there's um, echoes of the movement in We Are Robin, like at this point. Wow. Yeah, that's a good point. Right? I didn't think of that. There's, they're doing little things over there, and that if we don't like pound it into people's heads that they should be checking these books out, not only are they in danger of going off the shelves, but you'd be missing out on really good stories, especially when certain books are charging you a dollar to two dollars more to stick with something that you've always read. Versus trying something new on the other side of town that you could be loving as well. So it's important mm-hmm. to mention those things. Uh, maybe not every week, mm-hmm. but yeah. release schedules are what they are. And if sometimes something doubles up or you don't get to read something until a few weeks later, it doesn't change the fact that the the book is amazing and you should probably be checking it out if you identify with that person's tastes. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Teenage yeah. Ninja, Teenage no! Ninja Turtles. Being okay. No, I'm not going to stop. To stop. Transformers <laughs> more than meets the eye. Wait, let's go back to that. Transformers us too. I'm sure Ryan would uh, agree. <laughs> yeah. But no, I I know I keep mentioning like it. It's not like Gambit, which is a novelty item. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh wow! Sorry, Paddy. It's bringing uh, all the references back. Yeah. <laughs> People who haven't listened that long won't even get these. But you know, the this run of TMNT is just like it's such a good story of like. Um, like brotherhoods, like just you know, against the odds type battle. You've got like the human characters who are, um, you know, just just there to help out, and they, they you know, the the struggle is theirs too. They see what's going on, um, and th- they're doing like really bold things with with this run. You you've got um, like at the moment, um, spoiler alert. 
Um, Donatello is basically a robot because his body is dead um, and he's been transferred into a robot. Um, and is this an episode of Doctor Who? Probably. Does he still eat pizza? Are yeah. they using like metal heads old metal? Body? Yeah, it's metal heads. Oh, yeah. Look at that! <laughs> what, what is that? At? See, there you go. Um, Any, I, anybody who's our age knows a lot about okay. Ninja Turtles. Exactly. <laughs> and issue fifty is coming up, and apparently there's something major, like major, going to happen. Like I, I think like Shredder might end up getting finally offed. <gasps> um, but. Turtles will be dining on shredder soup. Yep. <laughs> He's the bad guy. Uh, as opposed to turtle okay. soup, it'll be shredder soup. Um, Thank you for explaining my joke. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Um, he was good at the jokes. We established this. Shut up, Bobby. <laughs> we got it. Team Ninja Turtles is good. We know. <laughs> well, read it then. I know. It's a lot, it's a lot though. You said so? they're issue 50. So? Yeah. Plus so? whatever came before. So? <laughs> Start reading then. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Before it gets to issue one hundred. Yeah. There you go. Four years from now. <laughs> exactly. Let's uh, let's close out with one last question, Bob. We have a question from Sarah. Okay. I have a question that actually ties a lot of things together into Hi, one place Sarah. without even. Okay. Yes. It is from our friend Sarah, and she says, "Morning, Bob. I thought I'd check in with you and also throw out a question for the podcast. I know we well, you and I at least." Have event fatigue as readers, but do you think creators do too? Lots more seem to be working on personal projects rather than big two books, like Scotty Young dropping Rocket for the duration for the latest secret event, uh, Secret Wars, I'm Bored, I've Forgotten What It's Even Called, then jumping out when it's done, or Kelly Sue and Matt Fraction working on their image titles, Gail Simone going straight from Dynamite to Image, New Dynamite Books, Kate Leth, Marguerite Bennett. Maybe I'm just imagining. I don't know. Stephanie? Creators have event fatigue as well as us readers. Yeah, I, but I don't think that it's like I don't think that that's driving them to these books because um, these creators are making pretty good money off of those titles um, and doing something you know like with Image or Boom or one of the other independent publishers. It's really rewarding for them as creators to do their own original characters and to put their own ideas out there. But it's a really big risk because Image isn't promoting these books image doesn't really have as big a network as marvel and dc to kind of you know say here read this here marvel's agents of shield read the comic they don't do that anyways but still (laughs) in theory they could um but you know like all of the promotion for the most part and pushing the sales really falls on the creators so it's a lot like a Kickstarter in a way where it's stressful and really nerve wracking um, and again, rewarding, but you know, you're guaranteed to make a buttload of money if you're doing stuff for Marvel and have your work read by people. Um, I think it's just that they want to switch things up. They want to do a little bit of um, their own thing while actually making money in comics. Um, event fatigue definitely definitely exists amongst creators as well I think um, you know you you find a lot of creators rolling their eyes when the pitches come to them be like oh let's have you pitch a book for this and they're like ugh you're still trying to recreate the death of Superman like give it a rest Um, and that sort of thing but at the end of the day like no one's gonna you know give up playing in the NHL to play in the minor leagues. Yeah, I think um, that's quite a good point, see, um, with you saying about, like, them regurgitating, like, the feel of Death of Superman. 
Um, because there's been like a, a bit of a sort of teaser going out about um, apparently they're, they're doing a Civil War 2. Yeah, next year. Um, and it just makes you think, like, what are they going to do? Who's going to be writing it? Like, how are they? How is this going to work? The, the and, theme of Marvel and DC is beat the horse till it's dead, <laughs> revive it, and then keep beating it. Just, yeah. Um, and then eat it, and then regurgitate, and then beat it and more. Well, I mean, there's going to yeah. be a Civil War next year because there's going to be a movie. So they, they want people. Yeah, 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 I mean, that, I can, I can, from that standpoint, mm. I, can, I can give the devil its due, like <laughs> playing devil's advocate, but... You know, seeing as how there's a Civil War title as part of the Battle World spin-offs, I just think that having another Civil War title like next year, I I just think is a bit, it's a bit. But if they if they want to promote a Civil War, just maybe just do a reprint of the original Civil yeah, War, which put it is in a book and go for yeah. it. Yeah. Well, they are they're releasing that like seven hundred dollar collector's yes. edition or whatever they're putting out. Giant yeah, box but, set of yeah, every and then issue. they'll release it in a complete collection all of, in four separate volumes. <laughs> all of the people buying the five ninety nine issue ones will be like, "Yes, I'll take this." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, and again, obviously, I think Stephanie, right? You're saying that they're definitely creators who are probably like, "I'm tired of, of this." But I always think about, I always think about. Have you ever seen the movie Fever Pitch? With uh, mm-hmm. Jimmy Fallon, and, and so it's a movie about baseball, right? It's based on a book by Nicholas Hornby that's actually about football. You know, Hugh football, and it's soccer. Based, uh, and there was another movie. It's a remake. Right, right. But Fever Pitch is, is an adaptation of that story. Um, but and they, said they they focus it on um, America and they focus it on the, the, the Red, Red Sox. Sox right? yeah. yeah, because that point Red Sox had the World Series and it was about an inept team. So the, the team and they ended up winning the World Series the year the movie came out. Whole whole thing. Yeah. But um, there's this there's this part where you know the Red Sox give this have this horrible loss and um, like they're in the bar and they're, and Jimmy Fallon's character is like so upset. And then, like the Red Sox players come in, and they're just like, they're just like drinking and laughing. They're like, "How can they, how can they just come in here and be so happy?" And and, and the point was like, you know, they don't take it the same way that the the fans take it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that's probably true for a lot of creators as well. Like, you know, if they're writing books, they're probably having a good time writing their books. And, and you know, they're not all they're not all trying to read every book that comes out. They're not constantly probably talking about and analyzing entire universe of entire stuff. universe yeah. of books. You know, so I think there's a difference there. With the, I, I mean, I'm sure the creators are like, I just want to write my own story, and do my own thing. Um, but like Sammy said, the, the the main money, a lot of the money comes from from Marvel and, and DC. Unless you're a you know a successful um, independent uh, publisher, an independent creator. Mm-hmm. But we have seen people sort of split the baby, so to speak. Mm. I'll That's do a, a couple. Weird... Of... What's the Solomon esque thing? <laughs> it, it's w- the wisdom of Solomon. Yeah, I, can do some, I know, I know. I can do some for them and some for me. But that's the person who loses, who says they want to split the baby. That's the person like uh, if... not necessarily. <laughs> I can cauterize. I, in that I can cauterize the two halves. Of Use the baby. a lightsaber. Uh, it's right, fine. right. Look, Luke survived. Right, mm-hmm. he has like a hand yeah. and a most hours references Mara. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Find a way to what George Clooney talks about with the way he makes movies. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do one for them and mm-hmm. one for me. Mm-hmm. See, you give the the big two their due, and I, I cash a paycheck, but I satisfy my artistic muse over here. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we're three hours in, so I think it's time to call this. Yes. Do we get Steve on this point? Oh, Steve, do you want to you want to ring in? Steve, Steve had Steve had the I don't want to answer this question face. Okay, so I <laughs> have to get up at five a.m. to go get my girlfriend from where? the 
Where? I would very much like to Where? get some sleep tonight. So no, oh, I'm not come on. Ask. Grow a pair, will you? I traveled three Bug. and a half thousand miles for this. Okay, you okay. want to know what I think about <laughs> event fatigue and creators? There you go. Really? Yes, real quick. Quickly. <sighs> I Okay. It's yes. important. It's important to hear your opinion. Okay. Yes. Thank you, Bob. Yes, I do. And think I won't interrupt they... too much. Yeah. <laughs> I do think that they get uh, event fatigue. I also think that them coming on to books during events is also uh, fatigue-inducing. That, like, let's just say, and this is not always the case, but let's just say you're a creator, right? And, like, this is your break. Like, mm-hmm. they're like, you know, you're going to be on this, you know, we're going to have you do, I don't know, Captain America, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, my God. Like, I'm going to be doing Captain America. I'd be like, yeah, but... Captain America is right now involved in, you know, Planet Z Excursion yes. 5 and blah, blah, blah. And we want, you know, the first five issues are going to be, we're going to drop you right in the middle of this thing. I think that right there is fatigue. You'd have fatigue right away. Amen. From uh, yeah, from something like that. But yeah, I think creatively, I think that creators, especially if they love the character, if they love the world that they're working with, and they love the characters that surround those characters, and they're they're given, you know, a criteria that you need to create something within this space, that at some point or another during that run, that they wish that they could break free of that and do something else. Or the unknowing of whether or not they're going to be able to continue that character in that series beyond that event, that the other ideas that they have while they were writing the other thing never get to be used because another creator gets announced and they they change horses. And so then you have those ideas that are just somewhere in your laptop or on a post-it on your desk. Awesome. All right. Cool. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. Way to wrap it up. See, I'm here. Good points. Um, (laughs) All right. So if you guys want to get in touch with us, please, at Talking Comics on Twitter, podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address. Go to TalkingComicBooks.com for all our columns, reviews, and, of course, our network of podcasts. We're going to run these by quick. All right, everybody? <laughs> Misfits, talking games, talking movies, talking Valiant, um, and talking shoujo, of course. Um, did I forget any? No, I didn't forget any. No, you're good. Talking baseball. We don't have talking baseball. Not we yet. Talking have trousers. Not talking, yet. Talking, talking trousers. trousers. Yeah, talking trousers. <laughs> talking Statham. Maybe I'll wear a belt. Episode one coming soon. Statham talks trousers. Yeah. All right, put some fucking jeans on, mate. We're going out. <laughs> All right. I don't know how to go. I don't know how to. Personal good night. Players. Oh, yeah. Good night. Information? At Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Steve. I'm at dead underscore anchorist. Stephanie. At Hello Cookie. Hugh. <laughs> at H underscore Paz. And H. Bob. H. 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 H-B-O. We've Triple. heard that. Yeah, so we've heard that for years. Triple H underscore Paz. <laughs> Bob Ryer, TalkingComicBooks.com. All right. And we're going to come back next week. We're going to have a lot to talk about, obviously. Um, we got we got major premiere happening tonight. The Flash is premiering tonight. So we'll talk about that. We'll do a little uh, NYCC <laughs> recap next week as well. Um, stay tuned for, of course, during the weekend and, uh, you know, um, our, our, our podcast and stuff like that that, that we'll definitely put up. Um, and thank you guys so much for sticking with us, if you have, for all three hours and 15 minutes of this of, of, the, of this podcast. <laughs> Bob pumps his fist. <laughs> Uh, and that's going to do it for the Talking Comics yeah. podcast for this week. For Steve. Goodbye. Bob. Can we stay for more, like, an hour? Yay. <laughs> wow. Can we? Too much scotch. Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> and Jason Satham. 
Oh, cheerio, mateys. <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. Don't listen to Bobby. <laughs> to be continued. No, we're not.